Yes, uh, I am James Rowlands, and today it's the WNR 466. It's the Battle in the Valley and AEW Revolution pre-show. Quite the mouthful, but luckily I'm not alone. I have a pleasure to be joined by the entire WNR team. Up first by my side for every WWE and AEW show is, of course, a fantastic Jaxi Scarlett. How's it going? What up, what up? Um, it's been a while, hasn't it? been a while yeah it really, it really has and we have had yeah. a few emails about it and the fact is i enjoy it kind of as a group as it was you know so and again there's a lot of wrestling coming up so i don't think it's a bad thing and i think we're all fully refreshed and ready for a bit of a new japan catch up today jacksy i guess definitely eager to uh jump into the discussion that is battle of the valley so looking forward to it well, up next, to help us along this journey, our resident NXT expert and New Japan deity. It is, of course, Monty. How's it going, man? There's been a lot of wrestling to watch recently. <laughs> yeah, man, so much wrestling, so much to catch up with. Uh, you know, I'm going to try my best to uh, flex some more deity powers. But, you know, uh, if I'm a little rusty, it's just it's just because of, just like you mentioned, I've watched so much wrestling. <laughs> to try to keep up with everything that's going on and uh, across all the promotions that we watch. So, uh, yeah, man, uh, this is it's a, it's a lot, but I'm excited to get into it because, like you said, it's a packed show. So let's do it. Yeah, And again, Monty, this is your fault. So if anybody complains about how long the show is or how much we got to do, yes. I'm, I'm literally yes, using it's all on me. your outline that you sent us uh, towards the end of January. All right? So if anybody's to blame. Yes. Blame remember, it on me, guys. Yes. Well, last, but by mo- no means least, even. And you are beautiful on the inside. Your presence personified. And I will drag you down and sell you out. Run away. I am cold like December snow. I have carved out this soul made of stone. And I will drag you down and sell you out. Embraced by the darkness, I'm losing the light. Encircled by demons, I fight. What have I become? Now that I've betrayed everyone I've ever loved, I've pushed them all away. And I have been a slave to the Gina in my mind. Is there something left for me to save in the wreckage of my life? Of my life. I become, I become, I become in. I become, I become, I become in. Gina in, Gina in my mind. I become, I become, I become in. I become, I become, I become man. Gina in, Gina in my mind. It is Gina, everybody. How's it going? Yo, that's my favourite one so far. (laughs) I'm fucking knackered. I'm knackered. (laughs) It sounded like it was quite quite, um, a lot to take in on that. No, definitely enjoyed that one. What it do, gang? Yeah, how's it going, Gina? Are you looking forward today to, of course, look back at New Japan? Uh, and are you ready for your AEW Revolution predictions? Um, no, because my predictions are going to be winged. I haven't even thought about it, so I'm just winging it tonight. And yes, although you're probably going to have to remind me of the patches for the battle. <laughs> There's been so much wrestling. So, yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to the show. Yeah, well, like I said, we've got loads to do. We're going to have latest news and, of course, AEW for Dynamite and Rampage this week with predictions. 
But we are going to catch up with Battle Valley. That's in a little bit. So we have a look at New Japan first in January. And we start off January 21st. Uh, following January 4th in the Tokyo Dome, Wrestle Kingdom 17, which we, of course, did review. It then headed to Yokohama Arena for night two of New Japan's biggest show of the year, pitting New Japan talents against those from pro wrestling Noah. There was a slight twist for the event, as we're headlined by Best of Five Series, being New Japan's Los Ingobernables de Japan and Noah's Conga. Best I'm going to do. Following win. Taduski and Manabusoa. Conga enjoyed a 2-1 lead heading into the main event matches. But LIJ ultimately won the series 3-2 after Monty's man Shingo defeated Katsuyuki Nakajima in a hard-hitting affair and Naito vanquished Kino. However, this war wasn't the main talking point coming out of Wrestle Kingdom 17. What appeared to be a straightforward tag match pitting IWGP World Heavyweight Champion Kazul Chika or Kana. And Togi McCabe against uh, heavyweight champion Kato Kimori and Yusuke Inamori quickly descended into chaos from a brutal kick for Kimori to Okada's forehead, which of course drew blood. An enraged Rainmaker went wild on the GHC champion, hitting him with fast strikes and dumping him on the table. The referee calling the match off as a no contest as he could not. Regain, uh, regain control and to be fair i think we all saw this slip and jack i'm going to start with you because i know you're Ricardo's biggest fan but that kick for Ricardo looked vicious and have we seen Ricardo snap like this since we've been watching them this past year i mean yeah definitely came as a sort of a, a shock surprise uh for us uh especially us newbies when it comes to new japan um I'm intrigued to see this new side of Okada. I think, obviously, for the, for a caliber of Monty's level of new fan, um, I'd be intrigued to know if Monty has seen a side like this to Okada before. Um, but do you know yes. what? I'm ready. So we have a lot more to look forward to. Well, to be brief, uh, it, the way he came into New Japan back in 2012 when he challenged mm-hmm. Tanahashi, he was way cockier, way more aggressive, way more I'm better than you. And I know mm-hmm. you know Okada as the the, the great superhero babyface that he is now. But yeah. older fans can remember in his younger days, he definitely always kind of had this side to him because Chaos originally was a heel faction in New Japan. So, okay. yeah, he has an edge. He yeah, because, you know, uh, coming into this as a new uh, New Japan wrestling fan, um, the, the Okada we saw from last year, especially across the G1 and everything else that happened towards the end of the year, it, it was like a more composed uh, Okada. Like, you know, he, he was able to control where his anger was was uh, taken out um, on in the ring, you know, compose himself, keep a lot of maybe that, that uh, anger hidden back behind closed doors. But as of late, it seems he's becoming a lot more unhinged. And I can't, say that I'm not mad at that because uh I can't say that I am mad at that sorry I'm actually in, intrigued and eager to see kind of uh how chaotic things can become especially with him as the current reigning champion um and especially with what we've seen as of late when it comes to all of this uh drama shall I say uh from the cha- the Noah champion I can imagine that we might get a bit more chaos being entered in this year's uh, it, for this year for especially for Okada. I'm I'm excited to see um how things escalate from here. 
about that. Well, another major announcement was Keiji Mutu uh, challenging Tetsuya Naito to face him in a retirement match inside the Toko Dome, which the show is going to be called Keiji Mutu Grand Final Pro Wrestling Last Love Holdout. Really catchy title. That's February 21st. Let's not forget January 22nd. The great Muta was a winner in his final pro wrestling match as that character teaming up with Ledry Sting and Darby Allin as tag team wrestlers. Uh, of course, this was called Great Muta's final bye-bye. Uh, and he teamed with Sting and Darby Allin to face Hakushi. Yes, that one. The one that had classics with Brett back in the 90s. Uh, Akira and Nomichi Fuji. The match ended with Muta hitting a shining wizard knee on Hakushi. For the pinfall victory, Sting and Darby Allen also hit the signature moves towards the finish of the match. Uh, and there's some great picks of Sting and Muta as well. Muta even had bye-bye on his mask. But I think, Gina, this is great experience for someone like Darby Allen, you know, who's actually going to Japan with Sting, who's saying that it might be his last uh, Japanese tour and being involved in one of great Muta's last matches. This is going to do the world of good for him. Yeah, definitely. I think it'll be super interesting to see it. Um, did you say whether Darby had been to New Japan before or it's his first time? It was his for... first time as well, which is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely interesting to see Darby in that sort of capacity, you know, and see him sort of come in, not as a noob, but technically as his, it was his first time there. He kind of is a noob. So it was interesting to see, but I definitely feel it's the type of scene he should, he should explore for sure. I think that that was a great, great experience. A really fun match as well. Then January 22nd, the main event was Shingo versus Okan. Uh, Of course, with the KOPW Championship on the line. Uh, Kills New Japan kicking off a new beginning series. This match was contested under modified MMA rules, including lumberjacks on the outside. Victory could only come via KO submission, and both competitors wore martial arts gi. Uh, not only was he defending his championship against Khan, his top shot against Akada at New Beginning and a sucker was on the line as well. Uh, Shingo put Khan to sleep uh, with submission to reign a title. And uh, it's so weird, but fun. And the greater Khan, Monty, I never thought and enjoyed someone passing out as well as greater Khan did, but he actually like froth from the mouth as well. <laughs> right. <laughs> He's so entertaining, man. Like, yeah, just. The way he went out and everything about this match was great to me. Although, like it, it, like I said, I can understand it dragging. You can tell, by the way, that this is one of the situations where the stipulation made the workers have to really go out of their way. Because think about that. When they were doing a lot of the MMA and the grappling stuff, you can tell shortly they were getting tired. Like that stuff is tough to keep up when you're, you know, trying to shoot with each other. So, you know, the fact that they had. Finally, when Shingo took off his gear, it was like, you know what? <laughs> so we're just going to fight. It's going to make this a match. You know, you can see that it kind of picked up a little bit. But, yeah, man, this match was uh, nothing but fun. Like you said, weird because that's what the KOPW is all about. Like, it's just weird. Like, stipulations, is all those matches are always going to be weird. But at the same time, I thought they still end up, you know, like you said, putting on a really good show. So it was definitely fun to watch. Yeah, right. That. Well, Carla came to the ring to confront Shingo afterwards. And uh, again, like I said, Okada's been a bit of a dick recently because Shingo offered to put his title on the line. And Okada's just like, nah, I'm not going to do that. Nah, and, I don't want it. No, and yeah. then asked <laughs> about if he's going to face, um, of course, the Noah champ. He's like, 
Nah, I'm not gonna do that either. <laughs> yeah, I'm not doing it either. <laughs> but hey, pretty much. So you can book it. That's exactly <laughs> literally saying you can you can promote it all you want. It's not happening. <laughs> That's what's weird about it. January twenty fourth to February first. Road to New Beginning tour. I got told by Monty, everybody, that there was only like tag matches and stuff like this. It's just, Monty, this is just to, like whet the appetite, I suppose, leading up to like, yeah. a bigger show. You know, rather than being a four week build to a pay per view, it's like a four day build to like the Saturday or Sunday show. Would that be right? Right, right. It's like preview, preview tag match. You get a lot of people who will be fighting in some of the bigger matches. Uh, in tag matches against each other. Maybe sometimes trading victory. Sometimes you can uh, see a little tease into maybe what's going to happen. But, yeah, it's just like it's like you said. It's like a really good – the tease is really the best word I can think about it. Like it's really just setting up things to come on the tour, on for the bigger matches on the tour. But, uh, yeah, it's just, again, more work for everyone in the tag team format. Yeah. Well, we've got February 4th, New Beginners main events. Uh, one was the junior heavyweight tag title match, Catch-22 versus just two guys, which was Dookie and Kanemura. Well, and Taka, so it was just three guys, I suppose. TJP was enjoyable. Great selling of the knee. The Doki pokey stick is one of my favourite sayings, I think, <laughs> in, in, in wrestling. Just really good stuff. That is awesome. Uh, Taichi versus Osprey as well. This was another really, really good match with a hidden blade and the Stormbreaker putting Taichi away. These two beat the crap out of each other. And Incredible, then sh- man. And then showed his, uh Naito, Red Shoe showing bias as well. I mean, how can you <laughs> officiate your son uh, being right? Uh, but NLBC, Death Riders escaped as Naito charged with a short Destinino for a wind-up. Destinino puts Umino away good stuff it's showing that kind of shooter is the next star but like i said monty these three matches were just they're not like the biggest matches in japan but they're worthwhile and enjoyable to watch as well yes i i i 100 agree like you said the junior tag belts not really uh always showcased on the main show but they usually get a spotlight on a, a bigger card like this and as you saw again catch 22 was Awesome in that one. Tachi and Osprey, I just recommend everybody watch that match. That was just, that was beautiful. And the way he had, the way Tachi, like I said, someone who was a relative loser for a long time, taken as a joke, someone that the crowd used to hate to be that beloved and to make those people really start believing in him, even against the odds of fighting Osprey, it was a special match. And then, like you said, Shota being in the future in a really solid match with Naito to uh, finish off that little few for now. I think Shelter is going to need a little bit more time, a little bit more seasoning. He'll be ready for these big 30-minute clashes, and maybe he'll be the one getting the victory, like you said, down I the line. I love that term, a little bit of seasoning. I love yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, exactly <laughs> what he needs. Just a little bit more experience in these situations, and he'll be the one winning sooner than, uh, you know, being the one uh, taking these losses. Like, you can see it. Shota has uh, exactly what they're looking for in New Japan. Yeah, and then February. I also want to. Um, I just want to add as well. You know, coming from a, a still feeling like a newbie when it comes to New Japan wrestling, I like that they give these opportunities more on the main, main sort of like pay per view events for some of these younger um, wrestlers to come and have a chance. So you know, especially when it came to the Will Ospreay match, I, I definitely agree. Um, go watch Tai Chi in it. I thought you know as soon as come, they were both coming out for the match, I was like. Well, Osprey is going to bury him. 
but they they put up such a match. It was it was so good. Um, I really really enjoyed it. He really stood out to me, and I thought to myself, do you know what? With more practice, he could actually be really good. And you can see the beginning um, sort of stages of that throughout this match. So for someone of his caliber to be wrestling someone like the the likes of Will Ospreay. You know, that was such a great opportunity for him. And I think he handled himself so well in the ring. I'm looking forward to seeing what he does next. Mm. Well, but this is the enjoyable thing, even with watching it. So February 5th, new beginning, all title match main events. It's these team like Bisherman. You know, we saw Bisherman versus FTR at Wrestle Kingdom. And we were thinking, well, FTR, you know, probably the better team. And now against TMDK uh, and really entertaining stuff. You know, and it is great for me to see um, TMDK, you know, back as the original group as it was. Jonah's absence made him lose, you know, maybe a little bit of their call. But again, like I say, Jackson, with Bisherman as a team that we want to see, if we're going to do crossovers with AEW, put a team like that, that are, for me, proper New Japan. And maybe not everybody knows, you know. Yeah, I agree. Without shadow of a doubt. And we talk about... Uh, the Mighty Don't Nil might be, you know, losing their cool factor, but at least they do have Zack Sabre Jr., who defended his television title against Tomohiro Ishii. And I've got to say, and again, this might be a bit of an insult, but this is the first time I think I've ever seen Ishii wrestle, if you know what I mean by that, Monty, because every one of his matches has kind of been... Like, you know, just hard-hitting strikes. Yeah. And... Brass. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> I was going, the fucker can wrestle. Like, he can, he can actually. Like... It's yes. crazy. He's damn good, man. He's damn good. Like, it's surprising. And like you said, I think that's what Zach says when he talks about what this reign is going to be. He said it's just going to be pure, fast-paced, strong-style battles. No mess, no gimmicks. Just wrestling. And like you said, even for someone like Ishii, who's usually in wars and beating the hell out of people. And yes, he still beat the hell out of Zach. But like you said, he wrestled with him too. And he was, uh, you know, surviving every transition and every submission that Zach pulled out. It was a couple of times before the finish where I thought, there's no way Ishii getting out of there. He still got to the rope. So they, and then like as the time went on, I love the 15 minute time limit, The, the, the pace that they had to go at towards the end because Ishii was trying to win within 15 minutes was awesome because if Zach, if Zach survives 15 minutes, he's still retained. But Zach wants to finish people within these 15 minutes. And like you said, if this is the way Zach is going to do the rest of this reign, we just into, we in for a special first New Japan title reign for uh, Zach Sabre Jr. And this is, the like you said, first match in his front man era. He's the front man now of TMDK. I loved it. I loved it. <laughs> He's gold, you know. And again, you've seen him speaking American as well as, as we've seen. Still can't get used to maybe the blonde hair. And another statistic that kind of we worked out, or Monty even gave us, the fact that Zach has never faced Jay White either. And of course, we're going to get onto Jay White in a little bit. But I don't know what's more... Fa- I mean, Jackson, what do you think's crazier? That Zack Sabre never faced Jay White or the fact that Tomiro Ishii was in a music video? Like, what's what's, what's crazier? <laughs> I have to say, I think it's going to be Ishii in the music video, especially because it was... I, I, I mean, obviously, I, I, I wasn't understanding the lyrics, um, but it seemed to me like she was pining after him, and it just... I don't know why, but I could not stop laughing. Yes. <laughs> You're chasing after Ishii. Don't get me wrong. 
Gucci dressed well. I was like, look, check him out in his suit. We're so used to seeing him in his wrestling gear. So, like, you know, he, he scrubs up well. But I just could not take the music video seriously. I was laughing so much. Uh, but really, really, like I said, good stuff there. Junior heavyweight title match, Hiromu Takahashi versus Yo. And this was a great match with a really good story. Talk about Yo, could he break out into singles? And the crowd were actually behind him in this one. And also, could Hiromu's leg stand the test? It could, as he drove Yo to the map with a time bomb to score the win. But again, Monty, this we're talking about matches like this where he's got a kind of couple of defences under his belt now, and Yo loses nothing to defeat. And if anything, you think, as we've no. talked about, a few more victories and maybe in a year's time, it could be different. A hundred percent. Like, that's exactly what this was for Yo. Like like you said, Yo is someone who shined in the tag division for the junior heavyweights for a long time now. And, uh, you know, when he tried to be go first on his singles run before he got injured, it, it wasn't that he wasn't successful, but he wasn't making the wave that he's made since he came back. And like you said, those people really were rooting for Yo by the end of that match. And uh, like you said, Hiromu pulled it all out of him, you know, in a a very special way. And uh, I just want to talk, like I said, for someone like me who have been able to watch Yo from the beginning, not only was I proud, just like a lot of those people in that arena were of his effort, but it was also the fact that, you know, Hiromu has a dream of, of making the junior heavyweight title just as important as the, the as Okada's belt. So, you know, he wants to actually be a junior heavyweight, not not leave his division, but challenge and beat Okada one day. Like, that's literally his dream. And, and, and like, that's how big Hiromu is in the junior division at this point as a five-time champion. Like, he's one of the greatest. So for Yo to go in there and be able to, you know, bring the greatest to this brink like that, and survived throughout that match. A lot of moments towards the end there where I was like, there's no way Yo, well, Yo is getting out of there. And he still got out of it. Just one of the best matches that, uh, that I've seen this year. I definitely recommend it. And uh, that's why Hiromu wants to be in the main event of his own shows because those are the type of efforts that he's going to put into these junior heavyweight championship defenses. No, really, really good stuff. February 8th and February 9th, Road to New Beginning shows. And February 11th, New Beginning in Osaka. The main event matches, we've got a loser leaves Japan, Hikalei versus Jay White. Title match, Tamatonga versus ELP and Okada versus Shingo. But again, this is another great thing about watching New Japan, especially for myself, is, is to seeing Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Kenta. Yes, first time I've seen these two clash. And it's kind of weird because you think, you know, they've been around for so long. And Monty, I'm sure they've faced each other off kind of hundreds of times <laughs> as it was. But, you know, to see these two yeah. go at it. Uh, and it's really fun with Nashi getting a victory as well with a high fly flow. But like I said, I'm sure those two have got loads of history. Then we had the Never Open Weight six man tag team title match, House of Torture versus strong style uh we see suki kicking everyone away as he and desperado tied up evo and show in submissions following narita to apply the cobra twist on takahashi for the submission win after the match suki announced that himself ren narita and el desperado will simply be known as strong style so new uh six-man tag team champions there is that much of a shock monty or do you know is this just Moving on from Suzuki Goon. Uh, it's definitely a shock, you know, uh, in different ways. It's definitely both. I think it's a little bit of both of what you said because so this is Suzuki's next chapter here, being uh, 
a member of Strong Style, but you know, in this faction, there is no leader. He's not the leader. Ren's not the leader. Despy's not the leader. They're basically just joining up. They have a common goal of just being, uh, you know, it seems like they're just going to inflict what true Strong Style is on the rest of the roster. And uh, honestly, I think everyone in that arena, you heard the cheers when they when they snapped those submissions in. Everybody in that arena wanted House of Torture away from the championship. They hate the House of Torture. And, uh, you know, so good riddance, even though, uh, I, again, I have a soft spot for evil, but until he until he gets away from them, he's probably going to always be this version of himself. So, yeah, no, everyone was happy that Strong Style walked out as champions, and I think we're all excited to see What's what, what's next for this you know trio? You know, Despy's gonna obviously lead the charge in the junior division. Suzuki and uh, Ren Narita now. I mean, they're also gonna defend the belts now as champs. But you know, you have Ren Narita and Suzuki now being heavyweight members. Will they be recruiting other members? That's always a possibility uh, when you have a, a group that doesn't have as many numbers as some of the other groups in New Japan. But you know, we we have to see. We have to watch and see what happens. But yeah, it's definitely some exciting times for, uh, you know, a fresh group in New Japan. I'm excited to see what happens next. Yeah, that's that. And also, like I said, Red Narita's first championship in New Japan. We had Loser Leaves Japan match versus Jay White. Uh, this, again, was a really, really fun match. With the crowd maybe not believing Jay White uh, would lose. Uh, but we saw right at the end as well. Again, great bit of visual with Hikileu with the um, going to hit Jay White with a choke slam and Jay White tried for the two sweet, got it, and then got hit with a thunderous choke slam and Hikileu got the biggest win of his career as well. I mean, Jaxie, Jay White losing to Hikileu. Is Hikileu the right guy? You know, like I said, I mean, I know Jay White's treated him like shit, but it looks like he had the last laugh and it is a shame that the switchblade is done in Japan. Yeah, um... Again, because of I am only just kind of getting into following storylines and story patterns within New Japan, I'm not sure whether or not um, Hikaleo wasn't the right man, um, you know, to 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 be the one to send Jay on his way. You know, um, what what I do know is the match itself was great. Um, and there was a lot of obviously riding into it, a lot of emotions going into it. Um, I think that personally, there was more uh, emotion uh, for. Uh, I was emotionally invested more in like the Will Ospreay Kenny Omega match. Um, but again, I wasn't there to follow uh, Hikaleo's run with the Bullet Club with Jay, so I could per- I could have different an, a different outlook on how personal that match really was. Um, and significant that match really was for not just Jay White, but for for Hikaleo's for that next step up um, in his career within New Japan. So uh, you know, do I think the the right outcome happened? Yes, I do. Uh, I'm just kind of more interested and intrigued to see where Jay is going to go next. Mm. I'm hoping we will see him, you know, in a lot more other promotions uh, now that he's a lot more free. Um, I don't think this will be the end for Jay in New Japan, but I do think it's um, now uh, a, a great way for Jay to branch out and, uh, you know, find himself in other promotions and see what he can bring to those promotions, you know? Yeah, well, we definitely be at the Battle and Valley, so it'll be interesting to see what yeah. Jay White does there, you know? 
uh, and talk about history with people. Tamatonga, of course, history with JY. He defended the Neverway Promote title match versus El Fantasmo uh, in a really good match. ELP, I just really enjoy his stuff. Just really, really nice. And I tell you something, I mean, Gina, Tamatonga, how ripped is Tamatonga? Like, I don't think we give it credit, you know? I don't want to kind of go out on other people's physiques, but Tamatonga, man, I was like, damn. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. (laughs) I mean, to be fair, I didn't really notice him much. Again, I haven't watched a lot of New Japan, but I kind of started watching around the G1 time. And although, like, I I knew Tamatonga, my eyes were sort of looking at loads of other different wrestlers. wrestlers. So even though I was intrigued by his, like, fights whenever he was on screen, I kind of forgot about him after. But the more I've been watching New Japan, I keep thinking, like, has he gotten bigger? Or did I just not really notice him that much during the G1 series? <laughs> um, but no, I've, I've definitely just grown to love him more and more each time I see him. Yeah, and like I said, and again, it's, it's, it's another, I mean, you could argue there's too many championships in New Japan, but at least someone like Tamatonga is, you know, kind of defending their title and having really good matches as well, you know. So like I said, it, it's good. Uh, at this moment in time. And then the main event, IWGP World Heavyweight Title Match, Kazuchika Okada versus Shingo Takagi. Um, Monty, all I can do think, I know Shingo's your boy, you know, I know you've got a lot of them, but there must have been some point where you're hoping he could get the job done. Uh, but unfortunately, the Rainmaker put Shingo away. But these guys are incapable of having bad matches. Yeah, man, this was a classic to me, man. And, like, to have the, the people, I don't think I, that's been stated enough. Throughout these events, we finally got a chance to hear more of what the crowds are, are like in New Japan. And, to like, the, this match especially, in my opinion, was made better just by those people and just how much they, you know, they were kind of mixed at the beginning. But as that match went on, everyone wanted Shingo to find a way to get through Okada. And he just, she going to look like a beast, like you said, throughout this match. This went, this was 32 minutes, but I promise you, for me, it felt like a breeze. Like, it, I didn't even notice it the night of when I was watching it. I definitely woke my fiancé up uh, screaming about some of the false finishes in this match. You're damn right, James. I thought he had a chance at winning, even though I know better. Like, I know better. Yeah. I wasn't rooting against Okada, but I know like it was a couple moments where I was like, "No, Shingo has this, man." But like, it it was great, man. I knew I knew it would be good. Like you said, they're incapable of having bad matches, but I didn't think it would be as good as it was. And I I could put this right next to Osprey and Omega and me because just for my match of the year so far, just because I really really enjoyed these two guys going against each other, two champions. Okada after the match, paying respect to all the work Shingo did during the pandemic, which was, you know, holding this company on his shoulders. That's when Okada's words himself. So to hear someone like Okada kind of tip his cap to Shingo and say they can't wait to do it again, it just makes me excited for the next time they fight. Yeah, without a doubt, you know, really, really good stuff. Then Okada cut a promo talking about Battle of the Valley. He'll be defending the, uh, course, World Heavyweight Championship. He calls out Hiroshi Tanahashi for the match. And, of course, the challenge is accepted. So let's jump over to the good old US of A to see they have built for the battle on the program that no one watches, New Japan Strong. Uh, So quick notes here, don't worry. January 7th, Kenta won the first ever Strong Survivor match and earns a shot at the Strong Operate champion Fred Rosser. 
at Battle in the Valley. January 14th, we see Filthy appear at the top of the show, interrupting uh, Alex Kozloff, who should never be done. He, Danny Limelight, Bobby Fish would take on Homicide, Eddie Kingston and David Finley in a six-man tag late on his show. He complained about Homicide and the fact he's just a street fighter who doesn't have balls, so he challenged him to a filthy rules, no DQ match at Battle in the Valley. Fans were really hot for Kingston, called Chan Eddie, until Jay White rolled in the ring where Kingston's back was turned. White backed off and rolled out. He unfolded a chair and told Kingston this is how it's supposed to be used and sat on it before George Jackman with Kingston and the match was laid out for battle in the Valerie February 17th. And then finally, January 28th, for the last strong ever, Fred Rosser beat Pretty Peter Avalon. Yes, the guy that got destroyed <laughs> by Chris Jericho on Dynamite recently challenged Fred Rosser, but Fred got the job done. He grabbed the mic and ordered Kenta to get his ass out here. Kenta came to the ring and they stared each other down. Rosser told him in San Jose he would be leaving with three boots, two on Kenta's feet and one in his ass. So that is strong. And again, quite sad strong has finished now. And it's going to transform. Because Monty, we spoke about this before with New Japan Strong. And it's going to change basically into two things. Strong live and strong on demand. Strong live events will be like the Battle of the Valley show that we're going to get February 18th. And of course, other ones that will come up like Capital Collision. And then strong on demand will be the same show, uh, then cut up into weekly chunks. So three matches on each show before you will then see Battle in the Valley on New Japan Strong. Uh, Monty, we've talked about a lot of streaming. Is this the best way for New Japan to go at the moment? Because then you're not spending money having to create new content and catch up and back on the valley if they're not paying for the pay-per-view. Yeah, I think that this is probably the most efficient right way for them to do it right now. Uh, you know, running running events in both countries and trying to do things and also still have both talents because you want some talents that's in Japan, in New Japan Strong, and you want some in New Japan Strong talent to slowly start to debut in Japan, this is probably the most efficient way to do that, along with having a separate, you know, enough people per roster on, on the roster ready to do the live events anyway that you have planned. So this it just makes sense going forward, even though, like you mentioned, it's really, really sad to see something that was a weekly show, something that was so uh, because and, and I, I, I want to use this word on purpose, like it's palatable for newcomers like mm. it was a weekly show it was something that people were used like are used to if you're from this side of the world and uh it's, it's way less intimidating than getting into trying to figure out what's going on in the schedule and understanding just what's going on in japan so like you can still watch the big big events in japan but keep up with strong on a weekly basis or whatever depending on how you can you know you got got the best of both worlds in that retrospect so it's really sad to see strong go for that reason but when it comes to, you know, cost efficiency and how much uh, do they want to how much it costs probably to run these shows, you know, in the L.A. Uh, from the L.A. in L.A. from the dojo and all that type of stuff. So it's, it's just it makes a lot of sense when you think about what they're trying to do with the with these events, especially if Battle in the Valley is any proof. These events are going to get bigger, as if you haven't noticed, that seemed to be the direction they're trying to head. So if New Japan Strong live events get bigger, it makes sense 
to uh, want to do is, you know, be as cost efficient as possible. Yeah, without a shadow of a doubt. Speaking of Battle Valley, the big news, of course, is Mercedes Monet. And she's reportedly scheduled to work two matches in Japan for New Japan Pro Wrestling and Stardom in April. One of them uh, will be Sakura Genesis, which will be on April 8th. And then expects to work Stardom All-Star Grand Queendom show. <laughs> Got to be careful that. On April 23rd, it will mark Stardom's debut at Yokohama Arena. Uh, now, Gene, I want to talk about Mercedes Monet quickly before we get on to it. But I think this is great. And, you know, I think she's making the right choice doing the New Japan shows rather than just like AEW because that's always going to be an option. And I think people are more excited to see her because she's not been seen weekly at this moment in time. Or am I wrong, do you reckon? No, definitely. The, do you know what? I know this is going to be very bad and I'm, I might get a lot of shit for this, but fans are unselfish assholes. They're like real big selfish assholes. They just want what they want in a show, not what's best for the actual wrestler in general. They just want what they want. And for me, the typical move would have been to go to AEW. Yes, we all wanted it. I would have even been happy with it. But to be honest, I think in the long run, that isn't the best move for Mercedes right now. She's doing so much in terms of her acting career, especially with having just done the newest season of Mandalorian. But she's also expressed so much how much she wants to be in the New Japan circuit. So to be honest, that was the best move for her to make because there's not as much demand for her to be on every weekly show, etc. as well. Whereas AEW, because she would be so shit hot there and everyone would want to see her weekly, it might not match up with her acting schedule. So for me, this is the best move that Mercedes could have made for herself. And yes, it would be nice to see her turn up in AEW, but I don't need her there right now. I, I'm just happy with her being in New Japan. Yeah, this is the thing, isn't it? You know, like at the moment, uh, it feels really, really good. Uh, we did get an update from JY and Eddie Kingston as well on uh, Wrestling Observer Live that it will be a loser leaves New Japan match, which is not that much surprise. One uh, nice surprise that I got is the fact that New Japan and Impact will join forces for Multiverse United, which will take place March 30th in Los Angeles. It is already sold out. So, Monty, you know, like I said, with Battle in the Valley uh, and with this show as well, and Impact recently has been selling out. So, I know it might be small arenas, but there is interest here. But for me... This is going to be fucking mental because you've got Josh Alexander, who for me arguably is one of the great. Well, he's one of the greatest wrestlers on the planet. He will be defending his title against Kushida in the main event, whilst we also get Speedball Mike Bailey versus Will Osprey. I cannot tell you how excited I am for that match. If anybody doesn't know Mike Bailey. Fucking hell, this match, Monty, this match is going to be crazy. And again, it's for impact with the, yeah. not only are we going to get Jeff Cobb versus Moose as well. So it's going to be a crazy show, you know? Yeah, it's, it, I, and the more you talk about it, I already see why it's sold out. You know, <laughs> it makes it makes sense why it's already sold out. It, it's one of those cards that when I read it, I was like, you know what, that that could get me trying to actually watch Impact for a change. Like, I actually, <laughs> I may actually get back into Impact after the after a card like that. So yeah, no, it's a great it's a it's a great lineup. Mike Bay, uh, see, first of all, 
Speedball is one of the best parts of Impact by far, his matches and stuff he does. And they fought in the past. Him and Osprey have had special moments in the past, but not this version of Osprey, not this uh, version of him. So I can't wait to see where they are now and just see how, how much, you know, the improvement. Because that's the thing about Osprey. Osprey is nowhere near who he was if you fought him in like 2018. Like he's a completely different beast now. And the same thing goes for a lot of other talent around the world. So I can't wait to see that match. Josh Alexander versus Kushida would be a, a great class of style of technical wrestling and Kushida's submission-based techniques. He's very, very dangerous. Will, would he win it? It's something that, that I'm seriously doubting because of how dominant Alexander is. But that's going to be fun. And then, like you said, you know, Moose and Jeff Cobb, I mean, two big guys, two athletic big guys, too. Like, yeah, this could be, this, this could be a special night for Impact and New Japan. Honestly, I can't wait. I can't wait. Uh, and also, just other news quickly. Of course, Ring of Honor has uh, had its first set of TV tapings and now is back. It, it was, Tapings were held at Universal Studios where AD films dark. Uh, of course, there's been a few, you know, bits and pieces of this as we head towards. I mean, Jaxie, any interest in shelling out another nine ninety nine to watch Ring of Honor? I mean, I wouldn't pay for it. I'll, I'll just maybe wait until I can catch up on it. Um, there is interest there, uh, but I'm already watching enough wrestling as it is. Mm. I don't really want to have to pay for it. <laughs> Yeah, I don't really want to have to pay for Ring of Honor, if I'm truly honest. I want to support, I really do, but I'm trying to support myself right now, you know? So, yeah, I, I'm, I, might, I might just wait for, for to hear a catch-up from yourselves on that one. Well, this is the same. I've made a decision at the moment not to uh, watch it. I'm sure there'll be great matches. Zack Sabre Jr. did defend his, uh, his TV title on there, which I was like, shall I? But again... It's not, no, give me, wait, wait and see what happens. Uh, yeah. Like we said, hopefully. You know, um, there might be more scope and interest for me to want to actually keep uh, keep up with Ring of Honor. And then, you know, sort of like going forward, if that is the case, then of course I would dedicate myself to it. You've seen this happen even with New Japan. Um, but right now there's not enough traction and I've not just not got enough time right now to keep keep up on every promotion uh so i must stick with the regular ring of honor catch-ups that we get through throughout uh aew at this moment in time yeah i completely agree with you and then one of the most confusing stories i think in wrestling at this moment in time is the fact that so over here yeah wwe the rights are owned by bt sports and i'm sure people know who bt sports are we get that uh, available through sky and everything like this but BT Sport, as we know in the UK, disappear and be rebranded TNT Sports. Now, TNT Sports is already used as Warner Brothers sports brand on Latin America and in the US. In the UK, it will carry, of course, Premier League, Champions League and WWE with UFC. But what I'm confused with is that if it's Warner Brothers, in America, Monty, isn't Warner Brothers, TNT, and TBS, what AEW is on. Yeah, as far as I know, like <laughs> Turner, Warner, Broadcast, yeah, as far as I know, something like that. So so in America, AEW <laughs> would be on TNT, but in UK, WWE would be on TNT. So, like, <laughs> right? <yeah. laughs> 
It's so weird. Yeah, Turner's definitely, bro. Turner definitely wanted, bro. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's not going to cause any confusion. Want a media. Yeah. yeah, Peacock, because I know you ride the cock as well in America. We've got that, but obviously it doesn't have any WWE stuff on it because we've got the antiquated WWE network still. So, I mean, that would be fun. <laughs> you know, soon. <laughs> It'd just be TNT. Well, no hopefully idea. the WWE Network still have old episodes in chronological order. You know, you go to the Attitude Era on Peacock and <laughs> they're not even in order anymore. <laughs> well, all that confusion did use Fight TV to watch Battle in the Valley. So this is what we're going to talk about. February 18th, there was a pre-show uh, on YouTube, but weirdly enough, it started like, halfway through the Alex Coughlin and J.R. Kratos match, which Alex Coughlin won. Uh, big meaty men slapping meat. I do hope Alex and J.R. get a chance in New Japan. These two have been great and strong. And another negative about strong ending is where are we going to see these guys crop up? And I'm sure, hopefully, they've got space for these guys, Monty, you know? Yeah, that's what I'm hoping. I think that's what we're probably going to see. I think some of these people you will definitely start to see popping up in Japan, in some of these newer factions, possibly. And also, or, you know, because like you just mentioned, with Ring of Honor having the places to work and other, you know, impact, you know, you may see more, you know, New Japan faces that you saw on Strong all the time popping back up in impact or popping back up uh, in Ring of Honor. So, um, yeah, New Japan has a lot of, you know, partners right now. So we'll, you have to see. They probably have plenty of options on where a lot of talent can be. But, yeah, I hope most of them get a chance to at least spend some time in Japan, too. And then we had David Finley beat Bobby Fish. Poor Bobby. No one loves him. I mean, no one loves him. I mean, I mean, no one loves him. Even the crowd here were like, no one. you. <laughs> we do not care. I don't get it. Like, what happened? What, what did he happened? do? <laughs> when did he become x Puck? Like, like, what? <laughs> he begs for his job back, I think, or something. And everybody's like, oh, screw you, Bobby. What happened? I don't know. Fuck knows. But uh, Finn looks ready to break out, and I'm glad I put that there because we're going to see, as we get to the main show, Ian Riccoboni with Matt Raywalt. And again, Matt Raywalt on impact. Fantastic. And Scott Damore for the first match. So real impact feel as we had Adrian Quest, Josh Alexander, the impact champion, Mascarella Dorado and Rocky Romero versus the DKC, Kevin Knight, Kushida and Volador Jr., now, he's the only one I weren't sure about, and there was some interesting interactions between Rocky and Volador, with Rocky avoiding the <laughs> points. Still, the crux of this was Kushida and Alexander's a preview, and it was great because the exchanges were the highlight. I love the electric chair drop kick combo by Knight and Kushida. I am warming on them as a team just because of athleticism as it was, but the finish saw Kushida trap Alexander in the hoverboard lock as Knight beat the DKC with a pendulum DDT, but give me Kushida versus Alexander. Uh, Jaxie, start us off. What do you think of this opener? Because, you know, like I said, I love Josh Alexander. He's the longest reigning impact champion in history. Um, but, I mean, for you, he's just another fella. <laughs> I mean, it was a great opener. I think there was, like, you know, there was quite a few people that stood out Alexander, I've seen him in a, a few impact matches myself. Um, so I, w- I knew he had a lot to bring anyway. Seeing Kashida again, um, 
in in sort of an, a new japan ring just really goes to show you how underutilized he was in wwe so it was really nice and just a fun match to kind of watch everyone showcase their shit you know they, they there's a lot of talent in that ring and they uh, i think for an opening match it really kind of gets you pumped up for what's to come and the thing i liked about it is like volador is even when you're not sure about a certain wrestler and then he does stuff like that, and you go, do you know what? That's actually really, really impressive. You know, like I said, it was a fun opener to get the crowd into it, you know? Agree, yeah. Uh, what would you, we're going to score out of five for the main show, so what would you give the opener out of five? Uh, I mean, it was a good match. I didn't have a lot of investment in it, so I'll give it like a three and a half. Uh, but, yeah, it was a good match. Yeah. Monty, what about you? Yeah, I think I wrote like 3.7 stars. I don't know why I did such a weird rating, but <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, no, I liked it. Uh, it was like Even though it, the technical difficulties kind of ruined a lot of the pre-show for me, this match really picked the show energy and my energy up, so I, it definitely did its job as the opener. Kevin Knight looked great, like you mentioned, and you know, seeing Joshua Kashida go at it was fun, and also it made sense once you, find, once you knew about the car coming up, so it was just also just again very smart booking. So it was a great way, to, uh, enjoyable way to get things going for the night. I thought so. I, I put three point seven. I'm sticking with it. I don't know why, but yeah. <laughs> well, this is the thing. There was technical difficulties because I didn't watch, of course, till later on. But I think the show started like forty five minutes late or something like that. Which again, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. never going to have a go about technical difficulties. I stand them more than anybody. But <laughs> like, again, for for your big show to kind of kick off. It's, you know, it's like, oh, okay. But not an issue, I think. Like I said, the crowd were definitely into it. Gina, what about you for the opener? Um, yeah, I, I I wasn't that invested, so I gave it three. Yeah, fair enough. And then we had the strong openweight championship match. Fred Rosser versus Kenta. Kenta control wore Rosser down before he made a comeback. Um, that showed the fire that Rosser's had this past year. The crowd maybe weren't that emotionally invested into it, but they did when Rosser survived the game over. There was a lot of shenanigans with ref bumps and Kenta tapping out. So technically, technically, Fred Rosser's still champion. But Juice Robinson showed up, hit Rosser with a foreign object, and Kenta won. This was a big match for me. You know, been a fan of Kenta pre-NXT, and Fred has been the driving force for Strong. And made me forget about Darren Young. Uh, but Gina, what do you think about the former Darren Young versus Ken? I mean, I, I don't really know the Darren Young character that well, but I know Kenta more. So I was definitely team Kenta. Um, and I love I love his longer hair because he had shorter hair in the G1 series. So it was really cool to see the longer hair as well. So yeah, I enjoyed the match. Yeah, what would you score that out of five? I gave it a four. I said, no, I think Fred, for me, is one of these guys that's worked to try and move away from like the primetime players and be more serious. And as champion, I think it's just a bit of a shame it's a second match on the card. I mean, Monty, do you think, again, you know, I know people care as much as I do, <laughs> but it seems a bit weird that I thought it was going to be quite an interesting matchup. It was only like second on the card. Yeah, I mean, it, you, it honestly probably could have traded places with Lawler and Homicide when you think about it. <laughs> uh, when, uh, when you think about the importance of the belt, seeing as it is like one of the main titles of Strong, but 
Uh, yeah, like you said, the placement of it was kind of confusing in hindsight. It was even before the tag title match, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I guess, yeah, that's very, a great interesting point. But it was still a physical battle. It turned out into a really good match. Uh, he was probably a little overbooked, you know. And, you know, I thought Fred really worked hard. And I know he was uh, a good champion while it lasted. And it was so screwy. Who knows? He may get another shot at it. I don't know if it'll be in Japan. I don't know if it'll just be on another one of these live shows. But, uh, you know, we could definitely see it, see it again sooner than later with a finish like that. But I still gave it four stars, like you mentioned earlier. It was still a really enjoyable match. Yeah, I know. I really, really liked it. Jackson, what about you? Yeah, you guys said um, pretty much the same things as I would. Um, I gave this a, a 3.9. I thought it was a good match. Um, and I really do enjoy Kenta. I think he's uh, got a lot of talent. Um, and I'm always just fascinated watching him in the ring. Yeah, so it's, it's, like I said, it's, it's weird because even now he's kind of a veteran. We're, we're still seeing, I think he's still got a couple of good years you know maybe in a few good years ahead of him so it'll be interesting to see what he does now as new strong open weight champion uh i'm gonna give it a four out of five we then have a strong open weight tag team championship the motor city machine guns versus the west coast wrecking crew which have got one of the best names in tag team wrestling the challenges jump the champs to start we've got a great spot where isaacs walks a stalling vertical suplex all the way around the ringside area that jump start put the champs on the defence and Shelley got isolated. Same, we got the hot tag and did his thing, but he had a rare bit of miscommunication as Saban hit Shelley with boot. That swung the momentum again as challenges reeled of some impressive offence for near falls. A lot of Nelson's offence come off really well, and the guns went into the signature channel of stuff late and retained their titles. Uh, of course, West Coast is part of Team Filthy. Uh, of course, they were saying they were strong. And Motor City Machine Guns can't have bad tag matches. It's a shame, though, they will never face teams like the Usos, the New Day, or Pretty Deadly. Yes, boy! Uh, Monty, what are your thoughts on this? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like you said, it was solid. There's a lot of good action in this one. Uh, you know, I don't think it was, like, special, but it was definitely uh, really, really good. And like you said, it's hard for the Motor City Machine Guns to not have a good match. I thought everyone looked good. He looked fine. Uh, the thing is, uh, for his place on the card, and maybe uh, after like the Fred Rosser match, uh, I probably wasn't paying as much attention as I would have been if I was more invested in what they had going on coming into the tag title match. But it still ended up being, uh, like you said, really solid. So I gave it three and three quarters. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, no, good stuff. Uh, Jaxie, what about you? Um... I think I gave this a three and a half. Yeah, what are your thoughts on most of it done anyway? Because the latest team you've seen a lot. Um, I was about to. I, I'm pretty sure I've seen them in. Um, where are they from? They from Impact, right? Yeah, Impact. Yeah, yeah. I think I've seen them in Impact before. Um, I, I got to admit, I was a little bit distracted in this match, but uh, I didn't really feel like they stood out as much to me as, say, like TJP and Akira. Yeah, that said, I mean, they're not everybody's cup of tea, but they've been around for so long. I mean, the legendary battles on impact. Um, Gina, what be you at five? 
I gave it a three and three quarters. Yeah, I gave that a four. Like I said, I thought it was nice. Bit rushed for my liking. And up next, loser leaves New Japan. Eddie Kingston versus Jay White. So if Jay loses that, New Japan. If Eddie loses, he can compete for the company, but he has to ask for Jay's permission. So basically, he never begs, so he will quit as well. Jay's stalling tactics start. They made sense here is uh, Kingston, of course, is a hothead who couldn't get wait to get his hands on him. And once Jay uh, thought he had the upper hand, Kingston laid him out with a chop. Eddie was on offense. We got some hard-hitting stuff. Jay took over. He walked more methodical style. They got kicked into next gear when they started throwing chops, and Jay's chest was red from the assault. I never thought you go against Jay White and get the better of him in chops. Jay used a low blow load set up Blade Runner, but Eddie rolled or fell outside, meaning it had to continue. There was a back fist near full, which was really well done. Eddie offered up the fist bump after, but Jay spat at the hand, meaning it took two more back fists and a flurry of moves, only to still kick out. Northern Lights driver beat Jay and sent him packing from New Japan. Uh, so we'll talk about the match. I mean, Jaxi, I think he's done. I do think Jay White's done. You know, we'll talk about the match in itself. But why would they make such a song and dance for him leaving Japan and this if he was just going to go AEW where they have the forbidden yeah. door? You know? I mean, yeah, he's just kind of been shoved out twice now. And, and by the likes of. Um... And, and by the likes of Eddie Kingston as well, who's not a regular in New Japan as well, and is still telling you to get out, you know? So, yeah, Jay, you, you're gone, bro. <laughs> there's not really... Like, the devastation on his face just said it all. You know, like, it's, it's, it's really rare right now to see Eddie pick up a win, especially with, like, how things have been on AEW. So no one was expecting to come out winning this. So that really royally screwed over Jay White. Like, bruv, you're gone. You better go say goodbye to your fellow Bullet Club members and maybe get in touch with some of your American-based Bullet Club members because you're gone. <laughs> yeah, well, this a, it's quite a shock, like you said, Eddie, get the win. Um, I mean, he just got chopped the fuck out of by Eddie, though. It, it was actually starting to get really painful to just even watch. <laughs> Well, this is like, they, they literally fun. knocked the spit each other. You know, the spit was yeah. flying. <laughs> Honestly, you, you, you just could feel the rawness coming from both of them. And, you know, I did not envy either man in that situation. Um, I don't think I could have survived those chops. I'd have called a tea straight away. I'd have shouted at my sister, throw the towel in. I can't take this. Let's go home. I need, I need like, my mum. <laughs> 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 it was a good match. What would you score out of five? I think with what the state, with what stakes were involved and stuff like that, I'm going to give it a four and a quarter because I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, um, look, Gina, it's not been the best month for Jay. Why? <laughs> I think it'd be fair to say, but he's doing the right thing when you leave a territory because if you look at how like the Good Brothers left, at least Jay White is doing the job. Uh, and again, Eddie Kingston winning as well. You, what were your thoughts and what five? I mean, I was happy Eddie got the win because in AEW lately, he seems to be the one taking the, the losses. So for me, I was super happy with Eddie getting the win. But I also was a little bit confused because I wasn't truly up to date with 
what was happening or what was going on. So I was really confused. Like I thought Jay was leaving already. I thought that was decided. So I was a little bit confused by the match itself and why it was even taking place. But, you know, Sensei Monty cleared that up and clarified for me. <laughs> so after understanding it again, yeah, the with the stakes that were so high with this match, I thought it was really good. And I was kind of on the edge, like, oh, no, because Eddie takes all the L's and AEW maybe is going to take the L here. And then Jay will get to stay in this side of, you know, New Japan. But no, when he got that win, it was quite shocking to me. So it was a really good match. And that again, I couldn't predict the outcome. So I prefer matches like that where I'm not so sold on who's going to win the match. So I gave it a four and a half. Yeah, excellent stuff. Well, post-match, as Jay was getting a goodbye from the crowd and a thank you, Jay, and looking at the New Japan logo, his old rival David Finley attacked him. He hit him with a shillelagh and said he's the outsider wherever he goes. He talked about being a fourth-generation wrestler and ran down White for calling himself a savage. Uh, Finn, call this shot. Just don't be a Jay White wannabe and don't let the crowd call the shots either. And I'll tell you something, Monty. <laughs> Go on. I was going to say, that Finn Juice have turned into arseholes. Like, when I first saw Finn Juice... They were like a really nice baby <laughs> face tag team. Happy go lucky. Yeah, yeah nice you want colors. to go have a beer with them. Yeah, Impact Champions, yeah. you know, like, and what the fuck happened? Like, who touched them? Like, do you know what I mean? They have turned <laughs> into assholes. Me and um, Nice got them, you know, moderate success, but they both figured out that being an asshole is the only way to, <laughs> so I've got, I've got to move three, up the card. <laughs> I've got three big questions for you, Monty. First question uh-huh. is, uh, obviously, the match itself, what would you score that out of five? Okay, so we're going one at a time. All right, so yeah. I give it four and a quarter. I thought it was really good, especially, like, the storytelling. Those two, Eddie and Jay, like you said, not only was it physical, but those two put so much emotion into everything they do that it's really hard not to get invested. Even when I knew, like you mentioned, that it was probably Jay was probably going to lose because of all the rumors and because he had already lost out of Japan. So, like you know, what's what's the point of just keeping him relegated to Strong? Uh, so I was, or especially when Strong was ending. So I'm like, he's not. What are you going to do? Just work the line? If he, like, what is he going to be doing if he, if he wins? Then, yeah, like, months, he's played it. To yeah, four months. Right, work I, every four months. Like, yeah. So the thing is, though, uh, they still, like I said, made it very believable. It was very. It was a lot of passion in the match, and uh, I, I thought it was a fitting end to uh, to a you know one of the best New Japan runs ever, man especially by a foreign talent and all the things he was able to accomplish. I watched him from day one. I remember when he was a young lion and left and he told Osaka, you know, that was another thing about his match earlier. He, t- he mentioned, you know, Hikuleo was going to have his family on his side and he did have his family on his side, no matter what happened in that match. Well, Jay White, you know, Hikuleo questioned, where's his family going to be? Where's the bullet club? Well, they weren't there at the end of that match. And he, that's when he admitted that the new Japan fans, Osaka, those people, that's his family. So when he said that, it was like, nah, so it's getting a little too poetic to me for him to be, you know, seriously coming back. So I was really doubting that he was going to win this match. But, you know, like you said, just have Eddie win. And when he doesn't win, he rarely wins. So it was still, it was still up there, still a crapshoot. I thought it was still a really good match. So I gave it four and a quarter. This is the thing with Jay White as well. To come, one of the most successful 
kind of uh, wrestlers coming over there yeah, as it was as a, as a foreigner, uh, as it is, you know, for the success he's had to be the age he is as well. And like I said, the mm-hmm. Switchblade has been, you know, he's up Madison Square Garden. He sold out all these different shows. So <laughs> to finally leave, you know, and again, in a deeper sense, to, with the Hikileu and the Tamatonga thing, you know, he could say that he fucked himself in a storyline perspective, even anything like that from Bullet Club, by deciding that those or Tamatonga weren't going to be part of the group anymore. And then it comes right. to the circle, like Super Hikileu finally shown, no, no, you were wrong about us, you know. Um, right, second question. Are we just expected to Finley to do the Jay White gimmick? And the Japanese crowd just won't notice because it's a white guy with long hair. Is that is that fair? Is that fair <laughs> no, no, I don't think that's what it is. I think Finley's is Finley's uh, the New Japan Cup is coming. He's gonna be in it. So you know he had a big showing last year, almost won it, came close, and I think now he's just gonna get a little bit more edgier. And I think a lot of his, a lot of his frustration was, you know, Jay White was someone he couldn't get around at the time. If you remember when he mm-hmm. when he was uh cl- making his climb, Jay White was always there to knock him down whether it was uh, when he was younger or, or as, you know, for the actual championship or in the, in the spot. So, you know, he kind of was like disrespected that Jay was getting not only a thank you chant, but it was also a situation where it's like, Jake, you're letting this go after always being the person that he wanted to be better than. And, you know, it's kind of like one of those things, like you leave it now. And like, I'm really, I'm really coming into my own. Like I got big things that I, I plan on doing. I want to become champion and have Jay White there to throw it in his face that I'm champion. I think it was more of a, that type of thing. But, uh, you know, again, I think Finley's going to have to still – he's going to have to do a lot more than try to pretend to be Jay White to uh, establish himself uh, in New Japan. It's, 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 as much as it is in a character, as much as he possibly could be joining the Bullet Club, it would make him a nice hypocrite uh, if he joined the Bullet Club. But, uh, but at least, at least you know, thing, back together. Like, you know. Yeah, we would have fin juice, and they would be a lot rougher, right? Bullet juice, <laughs> you know, be... juice spitting yeah. everywhere and all of that. Yeah, juice club, disgusting. What, what they call them? All right, juice the, club. Exactly. The biggest question. I know it's taking a lot of time, but the biggest question I've got, and I'm sure Jack mm-hmm. Jr. are thinking this as well. Bullet club. What happens to Bullet Club now? Yes. Uh, and who is there? And will we see something happen? Like maybe someone joining or like a heel turn to become like surely Bullet Club need a face, yes? It's true. It's true. Uh that usually what happens is you get that decision pretty obvious because the boss gets turned on <laughs> <laughs> and the next guy kinda of is the leader of the of the so guy Finley. Every, every, everyone else. <laughs> Finley. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so Finley could be exactly that. But I guess he wasn't in the club, so you know, but yeah, Finley might be next. Who knows? I, it's, it's really up in the air right now. I was thinking maybe Kenta, but with, you know, but Kenta hasn't vocal, vocalized wanting to do that yet. And I don't know. They haven't had a Japanese leader of the Bullet Club anyway, so I'm assuming whoever it is is probably going to be foreign. So yeah, maybe David Finley, like you said, maybe uh, Juice returns to Japan. Who knows right now? It's really up in the air, and I think that's really exciting. A lot of people was even projecting would this be the end? Would the club just this band kind of like Suzuki going and just start doing individual different things. It's really exciting to see what the possibility is. I don't know the way Bullet Club merch sells. 
I doubt they'll be done. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I really doubt they'll be done the way they sell merch. But yeah, I can't wait to see who's next, who could possibly step up as the leader, man. It's, it's going to be exciting times. You know, ELP was somebody I would like probably in that position, but is it too soon? Is he ready to take that step and actually be in seriously because he does play a little bit too much to, to, you know, sometimes? So I don't know. It'd be interesting to see what happens to Bullet Club. Yeah. Well, that's what I say. It's something to look forward to the next couple of months now uh, for New Japan to look towards as well. I'll give that a four and a half out of five and move on to our filthy rules match. Uh, Homicide versus Tom Lawyer. This felt weirdly placed here, but I do like it filthy. So the rules dictated this would be no DQ, and there were no ropes. Lawyer brought man to the ring because he called Homicide a garbage wrestler. And that set the stage for a lot of wacky weapon usage, like a hammer, <laughs> a door, and even Homicide stabbing Lawyer's boot with a fork. Some stuff looked downright brutal, like using a piece of the turnbuckle hook to maim Homicide. And the big spot where both men went through the door was pretty cool. Lawyer did a dive off a ladder, a sweet straitjacket knee to the back, and then one with a rear naked choke complete with Homicide. And again, I love this. Flipping him off. I'm not going to tap out. I'll flip you off as I pass out. Tom is showing us he can wrestle all styles. Gina, what do you think of this? Because Tom Lawyer is a filthy, filthy man. I mean, he did not impress me at all when I very first kind of saw him. Um, I wasn't, I wasn't excited to see him. And every time he had a match, I was just not really interested in paying attention. Um, this match, for some reason, I was really in, interested in it, and it felt like I was seeing a different side of Tom. Lawler that I haven't seen before again I am noob with this so others may be like this is normal we're not su- surprised but for me I kind of did be like oh maybe I should take him a little bit more seriously than I have been <laughs> but yeah I think it's like maybe one of the very first few Tom Lawler matches that I truly enjoyed and actually watched yeah this is it. and the door spot looks sick as well like when you do you go you're not actually gonna you know and it, like, even with the ring pose and the way it was, it did look dangerous. You know, it could have gone maybe a bit silly, but like I said, both guys kind yeah, of Yeah, I think it, you know? that's what I started to like about him, the serious attitude that he was starting to emanate whilst fighting, you know? Yeah, without a doubt, you know, like I said, it's a fun match. It was different to anything else on the card. So what would you score that out of five? Um, I'll give it a four cause, because, again, it was kind of like the first match that I felt a little bit of interest in, in Tom. So, yeah, I'll give it a four. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, Jaxie, what about you? Yeah, this match, um, this match was actually really interesting, like my sister said, and I actually gained a bit more respect for Tom in terms of a, a wrestling standpoint. I still think he looks like he smells really bad. I don't know what it is. I don't know if that's, like, his whole persona or if he's got this sort of whole... Fred from Big Hero 6 thing going where he only showers like uh, twice a week or something. Um, so I, I, I quite wouldn't like to be in his presence because I could th- imagine the smell wouldn't be great. But I, I can't deny um, he's got a lot of talent, um, a lot more than what I gave him credit for. So for this match, I gave it a four. It was really good. It was hard hitting. And it was one of those matches that I, I didn't know much about. I really didn't know how they were going to do with having no ropes um, in the mat and whether or not they'd forget that sort of thing, you know, and just... Uh, <laughs> I'm so worried at some point. Yeah. They, 
know what I mean? Like, especially when they were in the ring at one point, I thought, you know, what if one of them just goes to like swing them from the rope or something and then remember last minute? <laughs> I mean, that was my train of thought going into it. Clearly, they, they are more adept to having this type of match than I'm watching. Um, so, yeah, I gave it a four because I thought it was a really interest, intriguing match. Um, and we'll we'll see what what else is to come, but yeah, Tom Lauder could could probably have done with go, getting in the shower after that match. Yeah, he is filthy, uh, Monty. <laughs> what about you? What about you? Yeah, man, homicide was in his element, man. You know, somebody like you said, uh, I've watched Impact. I watched a lot of homicides work all across the world. He's a dangerous man, and this made this has really made him look good here. It's a nice, tough man, extreme style match. Uh, that was, you know, fun. Ended up being a really good brawl. Like you said, a great change of pace from just what was on the rest of the card. Uh, Tom Lawler, like you said, blended in. I mean, it is a filthy rules match, so I guess he should blend in and fit right in in this environment, but he really did a, a great job. So it ended up being very, very fun to watch. I gave it four stars also. Yeah, I'm going to give it four stars as well. Like I said, it was different on the card. Even like taking the votes down and taking I'm going... What the fuck are they doing? Oh, yeah, no, it makes makes sense, I suppose. Uh, uh, good stuff. And then the New Japan Television Championship on the line, Zack Sabre Jr. versus Clark Connors. And Zack Sabre Jr. did Zack Sabre Jr. things, like toying with Connors and goading him into strikes. Connors levelled him with chops, but instead of immediately capsulizing, he wanted to trade him and ended up in a Cobra twist for a bit. Uh, Sabre played a defensive match. He could just chill and wait for Connors, who had to be the one that uh, wins. Connors used his power for some big offensive moves, but Sabre survived them all. The closing stretch was really good and saw Connors think he had it with an ankle lock, only for Zack to counter into an armbar for the submission victory. And the time limit is great. And Monty, you mentioned this earlier as well, because he gets the win when we think he's going to draw. It, compared to how it usually goes in wrestling, this is now going to change my kind of thoughts towards it because you're thinking, oh, he ain't going to get it. And then, oh, fuck, he did make him tap out. And it's that kind of mad dash to see, you know, that last minute or so. I mean, what do you think of this? Because that same junior is just delivering at this moment in time, isn't he, Monty? Yeah, and then like you mentioned, that's what his entire reign can turn into. It can, it can turn into, can you survive? wrestling Zack Sabre Jr. in 15 minutes. You know, are you going to push him to a draw? Like, who's going to be the first one to push him to a draw? Who's going to, you know, who can possibly, then you get all the way down to the point to who can possibly take the belt from him. So, again, I love Zack in this format. It just fits his style perfectly. And the fact that he can always switch to whatever submission, whenever he wants, always makes him dangerous. And he made Clark feel like a threat also. So I feel like this is also, like you said, just great for both guys. He maintained control for most of the match. But, you know, and Clark Connors is only going to improve, in my opinion, in these situations. So, you know, Zach being champion and be able to get good performances out of all his opponents just makes me want him to have this belt forever. Because, like you said, it could just be a very, very fun spot on every New Japan card, whether it's in Japan or whether it's in, in America, whether it's Ring of Honor. That, can you survive Zach Sabre Jr. for 15 minutes? <laughs> <laughs> like I said, really, really good. Uh, I'm going to give that a four and a quarter for me. Because, like I said, just enjoyable stuff, you know. Uh, Jackson, what would you score out of five? Sorry, which one is this one? Yeah, it's Zach Sabre Jr. <laughs> versus Clark Collins. Oh, yeah. 
Um, so I, yeah, agree with that, uh, with the statements Monty made as well. Um, I'm, I gave that a four and a quarter. Yeah. Gina, what about you? Yeah, I gave it a four. Yeah, just really, really good. Have, have Gina, I know Zach has never been maybe your favourite wrestler, but you gotta you got to start digging him a little bit, you know? Just like maybe if you were to see him at the next event, you might talk to him for a couple of minutes, you know? Mm, no. <laughs> I mean, Zach, I tried, bro. I tried. Matches, if you had a good match, yeah. Do I want his autograph or do I want to meet him? Nah, I think I'd rather choose anyone but him. I'd even take the guy who comes out and takes 20 minutes to sing over him. So, yeah. And that 20 minute singing guy is, he takes a piss sometimes. Well, uh, <laughs> we'll move on. That's really good stuff. Uh, Kevin Knight showed up to congratulate that Sabre Jr. Um, he is the next challenger. And then the first of the double main event IWGP Women's Championship. Kari, the champ, versus Mercedes Monet, making her debut for New Japan. And come on, this should have gone on last. You know, it sold out the show and made would have made the title feel even more important. And we know in the main event there was no way the title was going to change hands. But anyway, we see Monet have dancers for her entrance and their gear was a tribute to the late Hannah Kimura. I mean, what a star. And in the early filling out process, saw Mercedes nearly apply the bank statement. I shouldn't. It's not, it's not called the CEO lock or something like this. I'm trying to CEO receipt, money receipt, cash not bank statement, but Kari escaped and Mercedes did the this close troop. A lot of what these two did during the match looked great. Uh, really, really did. The double foot stomp in the corner as Mercedes looked like she got killed. The spots up where Mercedes became legitimate trouble for a while to turn it round with an apron Meteora. Kari actually avoided Meteora and turned it into an anchor submission, which was cool. I love the contact between these two. It's even like the submissions Bakari is hitting, going back and back to back, just feels like you're applying the hold more. Uh, we see a Bailey to Bailey, which made people go mental, and Bailey was in attendance as well. Mercedes intentionally pulled the referee into harm's way and fights to the stage, and Kari to hit a powerbomb through a table. Back inside, Mercedes blocked the elbow by getting the boots, boots up and looked great. Kari combated that by getting her knees up full of fog splash, putting her own version of the bank statement. But Mercedes bit the hand to get free, and as both again were connected, delivered the money maker, the one, two, three, and your new IWGP Women's Champion, Mercedes Monet. And post match, Kari Mercedes hugged it, hugged it out for respect and showed you how much this match meant to both. Um, Jaxi. What about this, eh? Everybody talked about Sasha Banks, and now it is Mercedes Monet. What a matchup these two women had, though. I mean, jeez. But they, they didn't disappoint, uh, you know, firstly, from a, a Mercedes Monet standpoint, they just, they didn't disappoint in terms of her returning. Like, they, she really showed that she's been training, and, you know, they mentioned it on commentary quite a bit, that, you know, she was... Uh, 
back in training uh, with with Lucha Underground and everything like that. So we knew that she was training back for this. But wow, she really just came back and showed us she still got it, you know. Um, from another point uh, standpoint, Kyrie de- in defending was one of the best sort of first ever IWGP Women's Champions to defend that belt. Um, she's had a, uh, she's defended greatly up until this point, and uh, there was not much more she could have actually done to have stopped Mercedes at this point, uh, especially towards uh, the later half of the match. Uh, both women were just delivering some hard-hitting moves, and it was just so impressive to watch. I would happily take this as a round two match, um, you know, and have this match again. Hopefully, again, uh, getting as much exposure to not only New Japan, but New Japan women's wrestling. Uh, this was just a great showcase of what what they can do in Japan and, and, you know, what Mercedes can do and what she can bring to New Japan. So this was, you know... As much as a beginning and as as it was an ending in terms of Kyrie's reign, and as sad as that is to know that her reign wasn't actually that long, um, in how short a time she had that belt, I felt like there was an impact made, not just by her, but by the women she defended against, and also now um, against this sort of history-making match between her and Mercedes. Um, I'm excited to see where things go for Mercedes, uh, and eager to see her reign as IWGP Women's Champion, um, but I also can't deny that I'm looking forward to Kyrie coming back and challenging again. Yeah, I mean, like I said, really, really good stuff. What would you score this match out of five? I'm giving this a five. Yeah, I think that'd be fair to say. Uh, Gina, what about you? Like I said, there's a lot of talk about Mercedes Monet. Would she be able to perform months off? Would the crowd care? And I think the moment she came out, everybody was emotionally invested. Yeah, definitely. Even if you don't know who Mercedes Monet is, um, if you didn't see her in, you know, WWE or you're not that much of a big fan and you've only just come to New Japan, everyone knew from the minute she came out, okay, there's something shit hot about this girl because the crowd are losing their shit. So for for me, I think like it established her her caliber in that in, in New Japan so well. And I think the match just kind of justified why she got so much hype. So the match was wicked for me, and it was 5-2. Yeah, without a shadow of a doubt. Uh, Monty, this was quite a big moment, you know, for New Japan, and, and I think both women surpassed expectation here. Yeah, 100%, man. Uh, like you said, the entrance, the tribute to Hanukkah Moore, it was so special to a lot of people, a lot of Hanukkah Moore fans, a lot of, uh, co-workers, a lot of people was spreading a lot of love the night of this uh, tribute because it was just such a beautiful moment. And, you know, it kind of it's watching it, it just made me feel so special. Like I was honored to be watching all of this take place because, again, uh, not too long ago, New Japan, it wasn't you. And if you heard about Stardom working on their pre-shows, maybe, and they weren't taped, you know, like it wasn't a winning spot on New Japan cards. So even though this was in America and it wasn't in Japan, uh, you know, the, for them to get 27 minutes, the longest match on this card, even longer than the eventual last match, you know, uh, this was truly the event. Like you said, this was single-handedly sold this place out before we knew about any other match on the card. So it was just it was just pretty damn special, man. It was historic to me as someone who's only been watching New Japan, over, you know, since like 2016, you know, I, I'm still a relatively new fan too, believe it or not, 
to some people, like compared to someone who's been watching it forever, like since they were kids or since it was around in uh nineteen in the seventies, like <laughs> it's a lot of fans out there who probably would never thought they would see uh women in a main event spot going longer than the uh main event of going longer than the last match and having that type of moment for a new Japan women's title and then you know to see the after effect of Mercedes winning and her, you know, bringing the belt to red carpets now for the man, the Lord, and giving New Japan worldwide exposure, man. It's just this is this this is a legendary night, something that New Japan will never forget, and I don't think the wrestling world should forget because it was just special stuff. So I definitely gave it five stars. Yeah, and even the crossover appeal, you know, not even look at the match, but you know, Mercedes Monet bringing the title uh, belt with her to the Mandalorian in season three premiere, so mm-hmm. people then turn yeah. onto that and going second she didn't have to do that so it shows that she wants to kind of this exactly. is the thing you know it's cementing the legacy this, this, this is what new japan, exactly it, it this is exactly what new japan need like you know uh twitter is quite big for wrestling you know uh for wrestlers for uh their fans and everything like that but having someone like mercedes going to a red carpet event and then actually posting all about that on her Instagram, that reaches so many more followers. And even I was noticing so many people uh, in a lot of her comments that were going, wait, what belt is that? What? What? Why has she got a belt? And asking and actually genuinely being interested, being like, what is she champion of? Not actually knowing she's a wrestler. So this is the perfect way to actually gain so much exposure, not just to the fact that she is not just an actress, but the fact that there is new Japan wrestling out there. Um, I really hope that uh, this sort of content continues um, to build uh, fans for new Japan, because, you know, even my sister and I have been sleeping on new Japan and it's taken us until what, 2022 to really gain um, a greater appreciation for the sport um, and for the wrestling company. Uh, I just hope that great exposure keep continues and progresses. Yeah, but even for me, I get that as well because I'm I'm looking here and I'm watching Kari versus Mercedes, and I'm going, saying, "Oh, I, I want both to face off in WWE." You know, I can see them doing that in a few years' time. But I think the reason why I say that is because you want it on a grander scale. I can picture, you know, I'm always annoyed Kari never got that pirate ship at WrestleMania, and I can imagine her, can you know, coming in on that with Banks as well at event. But again, this is what we can get for New Japan. You know, look at Wrestle Kingdom this year and maybe build upon that, you know, coming up next year and seeing like Kari versus Monet again in a huge arena will be able to sell out. And it's about cementing the legacies as well for both. You know, it's why maybe not I mean, to AEW or staying in W is the best idea because of what they can achieve now. Kari has won May Young Classic and we've seen what she's doing now and the same thing with Mercedes Monet is creating a legacy You've seen it happen with Cody, you know, go away from WWE, gain a a bigger fan base and then come back to WWE and just have all that respect. Imagine if you just had exactly that, like a WrestleMania where the like, you know, main event could be Kyrie versus Mercedes and like the level of respect that they would have had from that from solidifying themselves in outside companies, you know, so it's always great exposure regardless to where you are, you are. Um, so it it would be interesting to see, but after seeing Cody return, I'm never going to say never on, on the WWE uh, door being closed, you know? Yeah, without a shadow of that. And at a selfish point of view as well, I would love to see 
Monet or even Kari mixing it up with impact. You know, Gianna Parazzo, Mickey James, Jordan Grace. That would be brilliant as well. But this was fantastic. Everything's on point. And people who say it, I still get emails every now and again. Yeah, people say uh, women can't wrestle as good as the guys. Just watch this, you know. Uh, five out of five for me. Move on to the main event, IWGP World Heavyweight Championship match. Kazuchika Okada versus Hiroshi Tanahashi. The story here was Okada was basically taking Tanahashi lightly. He feels that he's far surpassed the legend, holds a winning record over him, so he came fully expecting to win. Tanahashi fought from beneath and made Okada take him seriously again. It's a good story to tell, especially at this stage in their career where Tanahashi is nearing the end and a top guy and Okada's been on top. For like, I don't know, a decade now, I'll have to ask Monty. Tanahashi got some near falls, including a solid one after counting the Rainmaker into the inside cradle. But you never really got the sense he had a chance. Okada eventually beat him with the Rainmaker. Uh, Gina, what did you think of the main event for Battle in the Valley? Yeah, I mean, it was definitely a great match. With Okada being in this match... It was just too hard to keep your your eyes off of it. There was just so much going on, and again, like I didn't really doubt um, Okada at all in the match. I knew that he would sort of have this one in the bag, but again, it still was best to. It it was just one of those ones that kept you on the edge of of your seat, you know. And it, I don't think that even if I just keep continue watching New Japan, I'll I'll end up becoming bored of it because I just think Okada is just one of a kind. He's like the rock of it in a way, you know? So, yeah, definitely, definitely a good match. Definitely worth it. Tanahashi, he definitely gives as good as he gets. I'm not going to lie. I'm not a fan of his. There's just... I think it's his arrogant attitude I really don't like. <laughs> so, for me, every time he was winning, I was one of the stupid crowd members who was just going, boo, like, get lost, Tanahashi. <laughs> but aside from that, it was a really good match and I was super invested. No, I don't. I said, what did you score out of five? Um, I'm going to give that one a five as well. I think it was a good match. The The female match was better, but I'll still give this a five too. Yeah, Monty, what do you what, what do you make of that with Tanahashi and Akala? I mean, what did you think of the main event as well? Oh yeah, well, the funny thing about what you just said about his his attitude is, you know, Tanahashi was called the god of pro wrestling, so you know <laughs> that that gives you a, a attitude if you think about it. Akala did dethrone him. You know, for a good ten years, I mean, ten years ago. But honestly, Tanahashi won a lot of those matches too. So they really have an epic rivalry. These two, they rarely that formula rarely ever fails. Honestly, uh, but Okada, like you said, taking Tanahashi lightly is a, a newer concept because, like you said, Tanahashi is now closer to the end of his run at the top. So you know, he he will never let go though. You can't tell Tanahashi it. He's still the god of pro wrestling. He's still the man who single-handedly saved this company back uh, throughout the 2000s and leading up into, like, 2012 when Okada beat him for the first time. Uh, but Tanahashi will never let that go. They will always put on good clashes around the world. This is New Japan. Like, this is pure New Japan pro wrestling. Like, what what they're all about it, to, to its core is what Tanahashi and Okada represents. 
So I gave it four and a half stars. I mean, I, I really liked it. Uh, Jackson, what do you think of this? Yeah, uh, a really great match. Again, this was another moment for us to see kind of how a little more unhinged Okada was becoming. Like, as you could tell from this match with uh, Tanahashi, it wasn't just about beating him. Um, you know, from what I was watching, uh, Okada was making a statement. You know, he he was trying to put himself over it and be like, "You're you're no longer number one now, Tanahashi. Like, this is this is my time now." Like. He 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 came out there to make a statement to say, like, it's no longer about you. This is this is my reign, you know. And I think that Okada really came across like that. Um, did I personally think the champion from Noah might turn up at the end of this match? I did. I kind of thought he might just turn up and be like, yeah, screw you, Okada. You want to come turn up at my my thing? I'll I'll turn up at your thing, you know. But uh, we didn't get that. That's all good. This match um, definitely went hard. And I think Okada definitely made a statement to be like, you know, this is going to be a different reign for me. You guys are going to see a different side to me. I'm more aggressive. Um, and I really like this side of Okada. I can't wait to see kind of what else happens and, and uh, with his reign and with his current run. Um, I'm excited to see where things go from here. Um, overall, I gave the match like a four and three quarters. I thought it was really good, though. I'll give it a four and a half. After the match, Akala did the show closing promo and teased a tag title run with Tanahashi. However, before you could say goodbye, Mercedes Monet arrived. They posed together. Mercedes thanked the fans for they said they could be a dream team given the rules and how they like to make it rain. And they posed to end the show. So looking back on the show as a whole, match of the night, I think all across the board is the women's match. Uh, MVP of the night. Gina, I'll start with you. Who's your MVP of the night for Battle in the Valley? Um, this is not surprising, but it's obviously Mercedes Monet. Um, yeah. We knew she was turning up because she had this match, but it was still just as awesome to see her come out. Yeah, definitely Mercedes. Jaxie, what about you for MVP? Yeah, uh, definitely uh, Mercedes for me too. Uh, Monty? Yeah, I agree. You know, just can't say enough about what a great job she did. And the fact that on social media, Battle in the Valley was trending for like three days, it seemed like, <laughs> because of her appearance. So, like, she just has a lasting, like, star power effect. Like, it just felt like the entire world was watching that night. And rating out of 10, Monty, you start us off. What are you going to rate Battle in the Valley out of 10? I think overall, I'll give it about a 9. I think it ended up being a really strong show. It'd be, it's a, like, this is Jay White's last match, so it's very memorable. You get the, the Mercedes debut, historic night. Like, to me, to me like, it, it was hard for me to give it anything lower than a 9, honestly. Uh, even though I, it probably wasn't, like, a, a slam dunk every match type of card. Just, but like the amount of history and the 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 impact that really that Mercedes match had, and then like I said, you have the lasting impact of no more Jay White in New Japan. You had a great title match to uh, finish off the show too, tacked on to that, you know, and uh, a strong card overall. So I gave it nine nine uh, out of ten. Uh, Gina, what about you? What you scored out of ten? Um, I'm going to give it a nine as well. Uh, for me, that was just awesome. Uh, it it was a show that I 
couldn't predict all of the outcomes for, uh, and I did enjoy pretty much most of the matches. So I give it a nine. And Jaxie, what about you? Yeah, this was a nine for me too. Overall, really great. Every match, there was just an outstanding performance from each wrestler. Um, really, really enjoyed this battle of the valley. Yeah, no, really, really good stuff. I think Capital Collision might be their next that comes up probably May, and I think that's definitely something that we will look at. And nine for me, we move on February 21st. We're going to talk about Pro Wrestling Noah and New Japan presenting Keiji Muti's Grand Final Pro Wrestling Last Love Holdout Show at the Tokyo Dome. Wrestling legend Keiji Mutu, a.k.a. the Great Muta, wrestled the final match or matches of his career. In his scheduled main event, he uh, faced Tetsuya Naito, who beat Mutu with the Destinino. And then after the match, Mutu challenged Masahiro Chono to an impromptu match, with Chono won in under two minutes uh, with the STF. I mean, Monty, we've said goodbye to Mutu a few times. <laughs> but this is it. <laughs> yeah, this is finally it. Like I said, no one does retirements like, uh, like Japanese pro wrestling, man. It's just it's so special. You know, it doesn't, like, they want you to, they make memories. That Chono stuff was just a nice little bonus that no one asked for. No one probably thought it was going to happen, but it was still a great name that I grew up with, you know, particularly in his NWO days. I was a big fan of Masahiro Chono back in the day with the shades. Uh, but yeah, man, seeing Mudo work for about 30 minutes on his way out was just typical. <laughs> Cajun Mudo, like he has no business probably trying to push it this long, but you know, it's about as good as a retirement match as you're going to get. Honestly, it was special. Seeing Night T, my current favorite wrestler, fight his favorite wrestler of all time was kind of just cool for me, you know, because Naito really looked up to Muto. So, uh, you know, I was just, it was just very special, very special night and a very special way to cap off. That card, because like no one retires legends like like you know pro wrestling in Japan. You know it's just always special. They give them these nice farewell tours, and uh, you know everyone was there. A lot of people was there to pay their respects. A lot of people was on the internet paying their respects to the uh, to Keiji Muto because, like you said, it's finally over. They're done. You can only say bye bye so many times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, excellent stuff, though. The rest of the card was full of Noah versus Man matches with the semi-main event being the one we're all waiting for, the global honoured crown heavyweight champion Keito Kimiya taking on IWGP world heavyweight champion Kazuchika Okada. This was basically Kazuchika killing him. Uh, we talked about him being a bit of a dick, but this was even worse in this matchup in itself because we see Okada finally hitting the Rainmaker, but smirking putting Kirimiya up at two. He then finished him off with the Emerald Frozen, the finishing move of Mitsuha Masawa, Noah's founder, and Kirimiya's wrestling idol. I mean, lesson learned here. I mean, Monty, this was pretty harsh, and Akada walked straight out afterwards. <laughs> there was no sign of respect. No sign of respect. They asked him when he fight him again, and he just said no, and just... Flew out, man. This was awesome, man. Like, I it was so beautiful to see newer, newer, newer New Japan fans and people who may not be familiar with Okada really see that he can really be a dick and like seriously, like 
This in this entire feud, he disrespected Kaito. Even the initial brawl, you can say as much as Kaito took it to the next level with kicking him, Okada dismissed him right before that and just said, just ignored his him like he didn't matter. And Kaito was a younger, younger guy, younger champion. He's a baby face, and he really looked like a baby face. And this was like they were booing him when this stuff started because they thought he took it too far. But like Okada's actions all the way up leading to this disrespecting this kid and uh, and making Kaito like just have to earn his respect. Uh, it's just kind of crazy. Like I said, he's not the superhero that he looked like the last six years or so in New Japan in this situation. He dismissed Noah from the beginning and, like you said, disrespected Kaito as deeply as he could, like even from the moves he chose to do. So, you know, again, the thing is about this is that the Noah and New Japan seem to be working together more and more as time has gone on. Like, even as last year, they seem to be building a pretty good working relationship. So we could be seeing down the line a few years from now, Kaito being more experienced because this match is all about Okada saying, no, you're not on my level, kid. Like, I'm not even going to acknowledge you as someone on my level. New Japan is the best pro wrestler in the world, and I'm the best wrestler in the world. You can't touch this. And, again, in a few years to come, be really, really nice to see if Kaito could represent himself better in this spot uh, against Okada. But again, this was really well executed to me. It, like you said, it came off as harsh because it was meant to be harsh. Like Okada dismisses any other promotion that thinks that they can stand up to New Japan. And he that's him representing New Japan to the fullest. You finally got to see a lot of that, that uh, cockiness, the, what really makes the Rainmaker who the Rainmaker is. Like he's or yes, he's proud, he's calm, he can be calm and collected, but that he's dangerous and he's very, very he can be arrogant, very, very arrogant. And this, this is that side of him that you got to see against this young kid who he just dismissed, like he didn't even like he wasn't on his level. Yeah, he was a dick. I mean, Jackson, I know you love a carder, but the the young lad is kind of dread, you know, wants to be a carder in himself, you know, like I said, bleach blonde hair and wherever else it is. And then Akala treats him like, you can't still love Kazuchika like that. I mean, that was so, it, it was very much Mean Girls, you know, very Regina Mean Girls, like, you know, you'll never be as good as me sort of thing. It was such a dick move from Akada. But hey, have I ever turned away an attraction for a bad boy? No, I'm not going to start now. <laughs> so <laughs> let Akada do what he wants to do. Um, he'll still be, he'll still be in my heart. So, yeah, regardless as to what way, whether he's face or heel, let's go, bring it. <laughs> well, that is it for New Japan. And I'm sure Monty will tell us the next uh, kind of big events and we'll have another New Japan catch-up. Uh, maybe New Japan much. Cup is coming. Starts, but... starts tomorrow. New Japan Cup. So there, there you go. go. That's the big we, event. We've got our next, <laughs> next show. New Japan Cup. <laughs> Before we move on, uh, Sensei, please explain the New Japan Cup to us newbies, please. So it's not like the G1. It's more of a uh, straight-up elimination tournament. They already got the brackets that they put out. It starts on the 5th of March. So, yeah, it's going to be a lot of – it's going to be a very – it's a very important tournament. It, It basically finds out who is next for Okada, basically. Who, whoever comes out the winner of the New Japan Cup, like Zack Sabre Jr. has won it a couple times. 
you know, go on the streak, you can win like four or five matches in a row, and there you go. You are the New Japan Cup winner. You could possibly it, challenge Okada. Is it just straight up singles matches, or are yeah, we going to get just like singles, uh, just singles? Yeah, just singles. And, and mostly heavyweight how division. Do you, how do you qualify to get in, like, be entered into that? Well, they usually just select. Is, like, they announce the bracket. They just select guys for the most part. Oh, okay, so, so like, if I look online tonight, I can see the brackets already. Yes, I can see in the brackets right now, or I'm not gonna. I don't. I don't want to read it all off because I'm looking at it right now. But yeah, they uh. Thank you. Yeah, there you go. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Well, there we go. That is it from New Japan. New Japan Cup has just exclusively broke on the WNR podcast. Uh, so we're going to move on to AEW because, of course, we've got Revolution happening. We're going to give predictions, but quickly we'll run through what happened on Dynamite. The Go Home. March 1st, Orange Cassidy faced the biggest challenge of his reign as AEW All-Out Champion in Big Bill. What a horrible fucking name. But again, Big Bill Gina, I don't know like me, I was looking at him going, that guy's pretty put together. I mean, don't get me wrong, he's got a butter face. But then again, you know, like he's pretty absolutely pretty strong. Uh, put up a good fight and OC managed to get the job done. I mean, is there a future for Big Bill, do you reckon, Gina? And Orange Cassidy's reign as all-out champion has been great. Oh, gosh. I really wish you didn't ask me this question. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I think we all know that I'm probably one of the bigger AEW fans, but I'm really not feeling it. I really am not. Big Bill should be treated like on a higher caliber, he should be having matches with people like Wardlow, Powerhouse Hobbs, Samoa Joe, instead because he's stuck with Stokely Hathaway and the group of rejects. It's kind of like, I don't know, for me, Big Bill should have been winning that match, not because he's deserving of the title, so to to be honest, they shouldn't have had this match in the first place, they should have put somebody else, like, what's the little one? That's in Stokely's group, the little black one. What's his name? Moriarty. <laughs> That's it, Lee Moriarty. Sorry, I didn't mean, I didn't mean to refer to him that way. That Moriarty. <laughs> they should have had him wow. lift on Orange Cassidy. If they wanted Orange Cassidy uh, entertaining on a realistic level, they should have just had him fighting him. Because for me, Big Bill should be on a higher calibre. There should have been no way that Orange Cassidy can beat him. Sorry. You need to like make it more realistic. In a realistic world, if Orange Cassidy pissed Big Bill off in a bar and Big Bill had had too many beers, he would have knocked Orange Cassidy the fuck out. So for me, I was watching this match like, oh, I just can't get into it. So it's just really frustrating because I am such a big fan of AEW, but some of the storylines they're doing right now is just really, really pissing me off. I'm sorry. And I'm sorry, Lee Moriarty. I really am. He's, he's crying in his soup at the moment listening to this um, show but I like you more than Zack Sabre Jr I promise oh, poor Zack <laughs> stop taking us at Zack just leave him alone man you know uh, we see a bloody John Moxley cut a pre-recorded promo on Hangman Allen and Page and don't get me wrong it's a cool visual but who's that fucker cleaning up those stairs you know have a little respect Mox right there's some cunt that's gonna have to be paid like $3 an hour, whatever it is, to go put mop through that. And you know blood doesn't come out of mops. 
the House of Black attacked the elite during their entrance to God knows whatever reason. But uh, they sent a clear message to the trio's champ, Head Evolution. We had wild and chaotic spots for the name of the game in the face of Revolution Ladder Match featuring huge stars like Powerhouse Hobbs and Eddie Kingston and Takeshita Action Andretti, Sammy Guevara, uh, Fox and Commander. Yeah, me neither. But we did see awe inspiring athleticism. I mean, I'm sure a few people thought it was Ray Phoenix, but it was Commander who ran across the ropes. Senor Ortiz in the most pointless feud. I don't even know why they're feuding. I know that like the House of Black had a problem with them, but whatever. They went away. Uh, Daniel Garcia nearly helped Sammy score a win, but it was Hobbs who earned the giant Sonic ring and future shot at the TNT Championship. Uh, Jaxi, Hobbs, just they need to make the right decision here. And my only issue Hi. is is that the title match is dynamite next week which means he probably yeah. won't fucking win it yeah exactly i was as soon as like this match started taking place i was like okay the whole reason why i thought you were having this like this qualifier match now was so that wh- whoever was the winner was gonna go to be going on to revolution you know obviously that doesn't make much sense when you've got ward and mojo but i'm like well why do this then like, it just feels really out of place to, like, have that sort of thing be like, well, whoever the winner is is going to take on Will Hobbs. If, in my personal opinion, if you were going to have Will Hobbs win this, I'd have just m- merged him into the triple threat and made it a triple threat. Like, this is originally, like, this is kind of going back, like, three months. It's We're going exactly back around to where we were in the first place. Mm. It originated as, like, a triple f- feud happening. So why, why, ha- why have Will Hobbs on... The waiting line, especially when Wardlow decided to come out at, after Hobbs had won. You should have just had hell break loose right there and then. And Tony just be like, do you know what? F it. This could be a triple threat because these three don't, don't seem to want to stop beating upon each other. Uh, it, it makes no sense to be having Will wait until after Revolution to face the winner. It makes no sense. Yeah, without a shadow of a doubt. Wardlow beat up some security. Some things never change. Like you talk about that, this feud, the Wardlow feud is like three months ago. And they've come a year. Now, remember when you people were beating up security? Pretty Peter Avalon, who came up short against Fred Rosser, came up short against Chris Jericho, this time eating a code breaker. Um, he threatened to beat down Avalon, which sent out Ricky Starks, because we all know Ricky Starks does like Pretty Peter Avalon. That's the reason why. But it was a trap. Sorry, hang on a minute. It's a trap. And all of a sudden, the Jericho Appreciate Society left him lying, sending one last message revolution. Gina, what did Ricky Starks do that for? Surely he should know, don't call me Shirley, what would have happened to him. Oh, God. Uh, my love-hate relationship with my man, my, my, my love-hate relationship with my man is still ongoing right now. And I don't understand why Ricky Starks keeps trying to save all these weak men. Oh my God, Ricky! Like seriously, you put yourself on a higher pedestal. I feel so rude saying that. But Peter Avalon, Action Andretti. No one heard of Action Andretti before, and Peter Avalon was the star of Dark. Yeah. So I'm just like, do you do you not have higher up pals in this company, Ricky? that you could get to come out and save your ass. Because you know for a fact, week after week, 
you go against all of the JAS members and no one's coming out to have your back apart from nomads. Like, yeah. it's just disappointing, really. And I think Ricky needs to start being nicer to people backstage. He needs to bring them all pumpkin spice lattes. <laughs> say, hey, Black Wall Combat Club. Hey, House of Black, how you doing? Hey, I need friends. <laughs> yeah, I need some friends. Help me out, yeah? I scratch your back, you scratch mine. No, no one scratches Ricky's back but me. But you know what I'm saying. So it's frustrating to see. It really is. Yeah. Well, another frustrating thing feud that's never ending Christian Cage cut a promo with Rene Paquette in the way he denounced Jungle Boy as a champion claimed he still sees wrestling as a business and challenged his former protégé to a fight at Revolution Perry answered with a video package and I think he said Christian rest in peace or, or something like that I saw, I saw the graves and I just thought okay Jungle Boy's new Undertaker Hook beat Matt Hardy Tony Storm beat... Uh, no, Rio beat Tony Storm with a distraction. Ruby Soho made her presence felt ahead of the freeway match against Hater and Sarai. A brawl between all involved in the security environment. We got the fourth team in the AEW World Tag Team Championship match at Revolution in the Casino Battle Royale because you nothing like two Battle Royales with the same spot in a match with some of the same teams as well. Orange Cassidy and Danhausen stepped in late for the injured best friends and got the win here. Monty, what the fuck happened to the tag division? I'm sure it was the best tag division in the world. And I just I tip my eye for it. Come back. And apparently we've got Jeff Jarrett, Jay Lethal, Danhausen, Orange Cassidy, and the fucking guns as like three of the best tag teams. What's happened? The sad thing about it is, it, like, the Battle Royals t- almost teased better options than what we ended up getting <laughs> in both situations. <laughs> like, you had Top Flight, you had all these other more, you know, more impressive teams that probably would be able to shine in this spot on a pay-per-view card. <laughs> they were all flaunting like, right in what? front of your face just so we could get yeah. Dan Housen and Orange Cassidy and Jeff Jarrett and Jay right? Lethal. Like, what the hell? That you could, like, can you're right, James. Even, the tag division itself is different, but like that, cho- those choices are like, come on, man. Monty, Monty, answer me this. Even the week before, when we got the Jay and Jeff Jarrett yeah. winning that battle royal, J, what the yeah. f? You have so many, so many top prospective teams in that match. You had top flight. You had a you. I, 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 what the hell I, the best friends I, did to Tony? Why did why did he choose Orange Cassidy, yeah. who's already a champion, right? and Dan Housen instead of an actual tag team right. in the best friends group? Like, <laughs> like what the hell? It's right. random, man. It just felt so random. And you're right. You have Ozzy Open in there. You got Ozzy Open in there just yeah. there, so they can get eliminated. It just it, so many better teams. I'll take Butcher and They're Blade really over, over some of these teams. Honestly. Honestly. And they got a great record in Battle Royals, like Butcher and Blade. <laughs> right. <laughs> we told that. So they say. <laughs> At least it would make sense. Like, try and make Danhausen and Orange Cassidy make sense. Like, that makes no sense whatsoever. And I know you just only briefly touched on this, James, but I am going to circle back around to this. TK, have you got an issue here? What the F? Why have we only got this triple threat women's match happening on AEW Revolution? 
Why is there only one women's match? Yeah, where's no Jade? TV is tired. Why is she not? Yeah, yeah exactly. Where's where's her opponent? Why are you doing fuck all with her? Also, I'm sorry, but Dynamite was a mess. Like even just having this this sort of commotion between Jamie Hayer and Soraya go off at the end of the match, that was like kind of slow paced and, and really like randomly placed. It it, it kind of just felt like people were waiting there. Uh, you know, Ruby Soho comes out. I don't know for what reason, apart from the fact that she's just been edged into this match to take the pin. Like it it kind of just looks messy yeah. being put together. And also, just to quickly, now that it's back on my mind, I just really want to circle back to the first tag team battle royal match. Gosh, that was a mess. Claudio was waiting there for ages to everyone for everyone to remember their spots. He let Wheeler Utah Wheeler Utah get eliminated and just like was waiting there to get eliminated himself. I was like, wake up, seriously. Like, if anything, these two should have just won that uh, battle royal and gone on it to the match at Revolution. I this tag team, this fatal four way tag team Revolution match is a mess. Well, I don't well, understand why any of these teams, apart from the acclaimed, are in it. I really don't. Five weeks of dynamite has been a mess, and it's it's kind of like it's been yeah. relegated now from main TV to tablet to me, you know, because I'm not going to waste my TV time on dynamite. <laughs> I'd rather play yeah. Hogwarts Legacy and have it on as some sort of background. <laughs> Because <laughs> you were so, me and my sister did the have been doing the exact same thing. Like it, AEW has been relegated to the laptop now, so that I watch it whilst I've been playing my Hogwarts. That's that's how unimpressed I have been with the build up to AEW yeah. Revolution. Like I, I don't get me wrong, you know, James, you know I've been a strong advocate for AEW, but over the last month and a half it has been such a hot mess that it really, it, it's very hard to find yourself invested in any of the current feuds going on, yeah. you know? Without a shadow of doubt. Well, Brian Danielson had something to say, and like we said, the only match that they really built towards on Revolution is, of course, a 60-minute Ironman match. Uh, Brian said that he hates me because people call me the best wrestler in the world, and as the AW champion, he thinks he deserves that. The one thing you deserve is your fiancé leaving you. Oh, snap. Uh, pinning shoulders to mats and banging rats. Is that what you do, Max? No. <laughs> I, I literally, as soon as he said that line about the fiancé leaving him, I literally shot up and was like, wait, let me go on to Google really quick. I need to, like, see if this is true. I type in MJF and straight away, the first, like, hint that comes up is MJF girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> Oh no! And it's like it is. It's astonishing at how much AEW wrestlers are willing to bring in their personal lives into this. Because that type of thing, I'd have kept quiet. I would not be wanting to air out that my fiance left me. Like, I mean, fair play to MJF for allowing them to use Cough, that sort of shit. Cough. <laughs> yeah. well, the thing is, MJF. If the story had been like he dumped her a day before the wedding because she was pregnant. Like, that makes a better hill, you know? That's a better hill than actually kind yeah. of what happened. Um, but even yeah. Danielson doesn't want someone to... Uh, doesn't want the daughter to marry him, you know? And then he did finish with, said, you better be ready to fight with everything you have for 64 minutes, because if you don't, you're going to get your fucking head kicked in. All he said a rude word. Um, for once, MJF said nothing. He said, stood in disbelief. Uh, as we head there, and then finally March. I mean, if Dynamite's been bad, 
My God, Rampage. March 3rd, <laughs> Rampage. I mean, I've still been watching it. <laughs> yeah, the, but I didn't have a fucking clue what was going Because it's like, why get a better match with the Blackpool Combat Club with Claudio and you to beat an Aussie Open, Dark Order and Top Flight? Why give us that on Rampage and then give us that tag match at fucking Revolution? I just didn't understand. I was like... Exactly. Yeah, this okay, is that a much better match. That match sounds lit. How the hell are we getting that relegated to Rampage? What the earth? Yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. Riho beat Emi Sakura. Powerhouse Hobbs beats the Pentaco in like a minute. And then the main event was a tag match with Dustin Rose and Keith Lee, who are now a tag team taking on Swerve and Parker Bordeaux because we cannot wait for another couple of months till we finally get the Keith Lee Swerve <laughs> match. <laughs> what the fuck is going uh-huh. on? <laughs> How does that make sense? <laughs> I don't know. They're called like Limitless. Keith, Keith Lee scored the win by pinning Bordeaux. It ain't ending between the two teams. And I don't know if Keith Lee's look. I mean, I mean, I've been talking about a lot of wrestlers, but Gina, maybe you can help me out. Like, is Gray, like, the direction to go to now? Why has he made himself look older? Like, this is what I don't understand. I don't understand, because surely I would have thought... I would have looked like an old school I just would have thought, surely in this business, wrestlers want to stay as relevant as they can, you know, like Randy Orton wanted to be as relevant as he can, even though he's he's getting on, he's still trying to stay as relevant as he can. If he came out with a head full of white hair, like Eric Bischoff, <laughs> like no one's, no one's going to look at him and be like, oh yeah, he's got another, at least two championship runs in him or behind him. Keith Lee coming out looking like your, dan, your granddad, just... I don't know what he's no. thinking, and I get it. It's not all about looks. That's not what I'm trying to say. But, like, when I see Keith Lee like that, I think, okay, so he is on Dustin Rhodes' level. So he should just be having, you know, the retirement matches with Jeff Jarrett, <laughs> Dustin Rhodes. You don't expect him to then be going against MJF because I'm like, Keith Lee versus Sting. Keep up. Stay. Yeah, <laughs> Sting. That would be good. Um, I don't know. It's, for me, I think it's, I, I think he shouldn't keep the greatness i think he it should makes, go back it makes him look older than he naturally is um and for for someone who's just married uh uh mia yim uh, i don't know i just thought you would maybe like <laughs> not, I, I disappointed. from like anything remotely bad I, what i do think is that it, it's not very like he looks older than what he actually is and i just I don't necessarily think that that's a good look for him, you know. No, this is the thing. It's it's just we get, we get the um. Uh, remind me, guys, which which look was this? Was this when he was in NXT? When I'm thinking of this, when he had the goatee, the pure black goatee, was yeah. that NXT? Yes, I'm telling you, he was dying oh. his hair back. Oh, you know, there's no doubt. He just but... said... Go bald. Yeah, he's 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 done, done, just go bald. I don't know like, why. Yeah. I, yeah, exactly. He could just cut <laughs> yeah. it low. Like, yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. Like, I don't like know, he would be taken seriously. Like, uh, I don't you think know, he's going to be bald. Like, he has to, be, he has to have a fear, a fear that he looks worse completely bald. <laughs> I don't know. I, I mean, that, that just could be the case, you know. Uh, the, and, and, and each to their own. I just think if you're going to go one way, like, 
and really make a statement. You coming back after Swerve took you out looking like, you know, you've grown a decade is not the best way to make a comeback. Like, I wish he would have just like got, you know, grown the goatee back because he had he had enough time off to grow the goatee back. You know, uh, <laughs> like kind of brown again and just go back to that NXT look because he came across looking like a beast. Like, I'm still not going to forgive the fact that we were teased Keith Lee versus Brock Lesnar. And I would have taken that shit seriously. Right now, with what Keith Lee's doing in the AEW, I can't take that shit seriously. No, so it's like. There is a couple gonna... of solutions. You can grow your What's beard, that? grow his beard, and then switch <laughs> his head the other way around. You see? That could work. Or it's like the, the, the issue is, it's like, how long ago did Swerve take out Keith Lee? Was it like 25 years ago? And then Lee finally oh, go back. Like, how long, bloody Can hell? we just get past this now? Like, I don't really want to visit this next month. Like, you know, I want it to be over. I also, I just don't know what direction they're going with Swerve. And even if they wanted to go down this heel route, I... I really like I I don't like his two little like <laughs> weirdos, just two two, j- two oh, of the weirdest tattoos. He's been off a, he's been lesbian off a couple going, like do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, he's been off a lot. <laughs> or at least supposed- just getting a manager or something. He didn't need. He didn't need. Yeah, but it's even like that. Not to go off on, but like, what the fuck happened to Stokely Hathaway? Like, is he getting a new gimmick every, like, week? He's like a, a militant <laughs> guy now with, like, his fucking thing. Last week, he was like a dude with a suit. Like, make up your mind. Like, whatever you want to do. <laughs> like, I mean, me. ever since Jay, you know, dropped his ass, it's like he's having an identity crisis. It's just unreal. Like, yeah, the more we talk about it, the more the more this show don't make a lot of sense. No, no, we're going to move on. We've got to do predictions. We've got to do yeah, predictions. So... We'll move on. So we had the countdown to Revolution as well. It was the same stuff, and it made the build seem better for pay-per-view. So don't watch four weeks of Dynamite. Just watch the uh, countdown to Revolution, I would say to everybody at home. (laughs) So, predictions. We've got nine matches at this moment in time, which is still too many when one of them is going to go a fucking hour. But we will run through them. Gene, I know you're playing by ear, so to speak, and the AEW Prediction League will be up and running as well. At the moment, it is 1-1 with WWE Prediction League, and I haven't got the bonus league in front of me, but I think I'm a couple of points ahead. So we're going to start off with Zero Hour, which, excuse me, a match has been announced. Mark Briscoe and the Lucha Brothers versus Davari and the Varsity Athletes. Um, pretty easy start. Gene, I'll start with you. Uh, which going to go? Um, I've just put uh, the Lucha Brothers and Mark Briscoe to win. I don't see them losing. They're a lot bigger than the other team, you know, Davari and the other guys. So I see them winning it. Plus, with Mark Briscoe being in the team and with everything that's happened recently, um, he needs to take his anger out on people. So he's going to beat these guys down. Yeah, I completely agree with you there. Uh, Jaxie? Um, firstly, can I just start off by saying, how the F are you going to actually have the Lucha Brothers on fucking zero hour and not in this goddamn Fatal 4-Way? Like, it's beyond me. Like, exactly. Slap, mm-hmm. slap mm-hmm. yourself in the face of that, Tony. What the hell, man? Like, seriously, 
this creative booking is so questionable. But of course, I'm That's going for Lucha and, and Mark Briscoe to uh, to win this. Yeah, Monty. This should all be quite easy predictions, hopefully. Yeah, I think so. Uh, but you know, like you said, there's no way Mark Briscoe's and the Lucha Bros are going to lose to the varsity athletes in the bar. And he's like, I think we all know that. It's not like that's, that's the thing about yeah, it. Like, the that's the thing hills. about this decision. It's not even the fact that they're not even in the match. It's not, they're not even doing anything else important. Like, at least with the Young Bucks, you're like, yeah, the Young Bucks got stuff. That trio's champion. They got things going on. But, what, you know, why you have a great team like the Lucha Bros outside of the tag title picture? It's, it's just so, it's too many. Better options that we can bring up, and I don't know, but yeah, it's no way to lose them. Like you said, Mark Briscoe. I will say that they've done a great job with the work that they've been giving Mark Briscoe since you know him him uh, making his return. So that's one bright spot. But other than that, yeah, man, uh, we know what's going to happen here. Yeah. Up next, no holes barred. Christian versus Jungle Boy. Jack C. Which way is going to go? Look, if Jungle Boy didn't come out the winner on this and end this goddamn fucking feud, I swear to God, I, I am going to write to TK. Like, just give Jack Perry the win now. Get him to move on. I'm done. I'm over this feud, man. Yeah, Monty? I couldn't have said it better myself, man. <laughs> you know, like, that's just perfect. Uh, yeah, Jungle Boy has to win. We has to get this over. With, uh, I could have swore the last time I predicted a card with you guys, but hey, this match was on there in some way, shape, or form. It was, or it was him, Jungle, it was Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus because of this feud. Like this feud has been going on forever. It's time to put it to rest. No holds barred, I guess. I, I guess we'll see what that turns into. Uh, please win, Jungle Boy. Please. Yeah, uh, I'll go Jungle Boy. Gina, you're going Jungle Boy as well, I assume. Yes, get this feud over with, please. I'm over it. I was over it when Christian first got injured. I was done. We didn't need it. You should have just had Christian come back and do a, a feud with Matt Hardy and Dustin Rhodes. I like that's what level you're on, Christian, and that's how much I really don't care about you anymore. It's not that like it's it's not that I've got anything personal against you, but you don't have like an edge type feel in, in AEW because to be honest, no one knows you, unless they're WWE fans as well. And I'm over it. I'm over this feud. So be done. Jungle Boy's winning this. And then put Christian in a nice little early retirement, please. Thank you. Goodbye. Well, you say that. <laughs> and I've got a feeling. We haven't seen Luchasaurus in a while, have we? So maybe he comes. No, no, it's got to be Jungle Boy, without doubt. Uh, right, moving on. Ricky Starks <laughs> versus Chris Jericho. JAS is banned from ringside. Monty, come on. As well, isn't it? We probably can say the same thing about a lot of these feuds <laughs> when it comes to like how long they've been going on. Uh Ricky Stark should have got the the you know certified, you know, clean victory or whatever with no with no problems a long time ago. It should have been over a while ago. So uh, I think this should be the end. Ricky Starks has to win, or this whole entire thing was just Another ego stroke for Jericho again. That's unnecessary, in my opinion. I've been saying for a while that he does not have to keep winning in these situations. So I think Ricky Starks is going to get this victory, and hopefully he'll be on to finally challenging for a belt again. Yeah, no, I think you're right. Gina, what about you? 
I've obviously gone Ricky, but to be honest, slightly similar feelings to how I feel about Jungle Boy and Christian's match. I'm over this feud now. They need to end it. It's exhausting. So, yeah, just just end it with Ricky winning, getting a clean win, Jericho crying, and move on to next storylines for them both, please. Yeah, And Jaxie? Exactly what Monty and Gina said. Of course, I've gone Ricky Starks. Let's just get this over with and start something. Fresh. We need a fresh start every, across the board on AEW. So um, that's the only way this can go, really. Well, we've got the tag titles uh, up next. The Acclaimed versus Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal versus Dan Howell and Orange Cassidy versus the Guns. I'll go here. Uh, I really want the Acclaimed to win, but I don't think the Guns have actually defended the tag titles. So they have to defend the tag titles at some point. And what better way in a four-way where the acclaimed don't have to get pinned. You can get rid of Dan Housen and Orange Cassidy, uh, which is a shame. I want the acclaimed to win and move on to better tag teams. But the guns are going to retain here in my mind. Jaxie, what about you? No, they should have never put it on the gun club in the first place. Give it back to the acclaimed, please. Done. <laughs> Yeah, they claimed. Uh, Gina? Just as my sister said, and you guys all said earlier, I don't understand why the fuck that the people in this match are in this match. I don't understand why they did that to the best friends. You've literally just done the best friends dirty and they've been with you from day dot. And you're just like, oh, they're injured. They, fuck off, are they injured? You've just pushed them out and said, sorry, Orange Cassidy's bigger than you, even though he's got the Atlantic belt and we really want Dan Housen kept around. But God knows why. God knows why. So, no, I'm sorry. I'm not into that. I'm, I'm also not into the pity of, yes, I'm really sorry for your loss, Jeff, Jeff Jarrett, but they're like, you know, you screwed that. Let's put you into this match at Revolution. I'm not feeling it. I really am not. They've not done enough to earn that spot, if you ask me, especially over people like the Lucha Brothers and many others, um, many other tag teams in this division. So, no, I'm just over it. Put it back on the acclaimed. Done. Monty? Yeah, do you remember how WWE used Jeff Jarrett last? He was like a special guest referee, right? He, he just pop up every now and then, like, why? Why are we really getting a full fledged Jeff Jarrett run in in AEW? I, I thought he would pop up every now and then and do a match kind of like Sting, but this has kind of been more consistent than I was expecting. But again, the thing is, uh, like you said, James, it's hard for me to see the Gun Club not winning this because even if, the, as much as I would agree, I would love the claim to get it back so we can just reverse and just you know go back to when things were a little bit better in the tag division. Uh, they had to have done this gun club thing for a reason, right? So I'm just thinking that, yeah, you know, it, it, it'll be even more pointless than it felt when they won it if they decided to not let the gun club at least defend it, like you mentioned, James. So unfortunately, I think the gun club will win. Yeah, that's what I was suspecting. And that match I'm not sure about, I think out of all of them, is a Texas death match. John Moxley versus Hangman Page. Uh, but I'm going to give Gina the chance to go first. Who's winning this one? Because this is one it could go either way and actually make a bit of sense. This one is a tricky one because, again, they've had a few matches now. And I think, what is it? Is it Mox that three over two to Hangman? 
something like that. Yeah, um, like that. I don't really remember <laughs> that. So you would you would kind of expect. I I mean I've gone with Hangman for the win. Um, for this one, I I don't particularly know why because again I'm I'm quite. This is one match that I don't feel like I can call because there has been so many. But again, this match, their feuds have kept has kept us in, interested because we see them both every week not like Christian who has been off for months on end where people have forgotten that storyline so to bring it back up again is like oh okay and yes okay with Ricky Stark's feud being shown every week to be honest they do the same thing with Jericho whenever he's having a feud with someone they make him feud with them for weeks on end make them fight every every JAS member so it's a repeated cycle but with Mox and Hangman because they're both so good individually with their promos as well they've made their feud feel like it could be ongoing for the next five years or ten years you know mm-hmm. um, so I think that's why this match is, is more anticipated than the other matches that have been ongoing this time so yeah, for me, I've gone with Hangman, but I'm not actually too sure who's going to come out the winner on this because they could go with Mox and just have Mox continuously wind up Hangman because he's always like, you know, he takes one step forward to then move five steps back, you know, and I can just see it continuously like building on Hangman to the point that he does just lose his shit one day maybe and he's like, oh, fuck Dark Order, fuck everyone in this company, I'm fucking everyone up. Whenever there's a no man's match, he comes out and takes his anger out on them. You know, it could turn into something like that. But we also know that the Blackpool Combat Club have definitely turned heel lately, especially with Claudio and Utah. They have definitely turned heel. And we know that Mox is a bit, always a great heel. So he could lose this match here and then him go on a flipping rampage with his two boys backing him and then become the next bloodline and just ripping through everyone, you know? They could also then go for the triple tag titles. So it's, Either either way, that either outcome of this match, I think the storylines for both men are just still going to be pushed and continued. Yeah, no, I think you're right. Jaxie, what about you? Let John Moxie have a freaking holiday already. Let him go on holiday. He still hasn't had that goddamn break. Let him go and actually have a holiday with his wife and daughter, okay? I've got Hangman winning this. Uh, I think that even though I agree with you guys that the, these this feud between these two could go on for ages and I, I would still be entertained. At the same time, I just feel like Hangman needs to move on to something more significant if he's really going to place himself in the uh, like t- and get taken seriously in a, in another running for the, the title at some point. Um, John also just needs a break. Give him a break. So I see him. I see him like maybe taking an L here and going off for a bit, and I wouldn't mind that. Well, this is the thing. Moxley's had 100 victories, and he has been multiple-time world champion. Paige hasn't won shit since he lost that title. So at least this feels like the first feud since he lost the title that actually might mean something, you know? You've got to make him significant again, and this is a way to do it. Mox has been, been consistently making his presence known on AEW TV, uh, you know, for the past two and a half, almost three years. Um, Hangman has done the same with when he's been in the company, but he has had a lot more injury. Uh, So right now, it it feels right to have 
someone like Mox, who's been so over for so long, be put down by the likes of Hangman, actually focus on giving Hangman something significant to do and let Mox actually go off and have a break, you know, rest himself before he ends up on the injured list too. Yeah, I think we're out doubt. Monty, what about you? Yeah, I'm going with Hangman too for a lot of the similar reason that you guys are going for him. And uh, it just makes the most sense to put a bow on this story that they've told. Like you said, the in-ring work has been fantastic. And the storytelling outside of the ring has been pretty good to me too. It's pretty straightforward. It makes sense to me. Moxley always brings a great energy to these matches. So, again, when it comes to AEW, I always expect the talent to go out there and, you know, have great matches because they're they're very talented rosters. It's just sometimes the decisions around what they do or the way they're being presented that make stuff drag along and make things feel a certain type of way. But I think this has still been one of the highlights uh, right underneath what Brian and uh, MJF has been doing with their story. So I, I, I think, like you guys said, it'd be great either way, but Moxley losing makes the most sense to me because, like you said, Hangman needs a big victory. And it'll be nice to see how, just how far away is he from getting a shot at MJF or Danielson down the line if he wins a big match like this against Moxley and get this feud over with. Yeah, I think that's out. Uh, next match, women's title on the line, Saray versus Ruby Soho versus Jamie Hayter. Jaxie, start with you. Which way is this going? Uh, I just see, I see Jamie winning this. So Ruby's going to take the pin. Uh, Jamie's going to win this. Fair enough. Uh, nice and quick. Monty, what about you? Yeah, that's what, it, that's what it feels like. As much as I would like to see Ruby walk away in a situation like this, the timing doesn't seem right. And uh, I just feel like, yeah, she's here to take the pin in this situation. Uh, Soraya is crazy to me how she can go from like one of the most beloved to just how hated she seems to be. Uh, and it's just funny how crazy, how fast it feels like it happened. But, you know, we'll see how it goes. You know, that will be a really controversial decision if he goes with Soraya. But it's definitely a can still be a possibility. You never know. But I still like I feel like it'll be a crime to let Jamie Hayden lose this without even exploring the Brit Breaker option at least once or twice, letting them just be supportive of each other. It's been great to see them stick together. But, you know, it'll still be nice to see them feud at some point. So, and I would love that to be over the belt. So I like I think Jamie Hayden should continue her feud. I mean, her reign. And uh, we'll see what happened with this array a few long term. Yeah. Uh, Gina, what about you? I've got Jamie to win this. I don't see her losing it. I feel sorry for Ruby because I feel like she deserves more respect. But we all know she's been put in here just so that she can take the pin. Um, I do feel sorry for Ruby. I feel like she needs more respect. And to be honest, I'm hoping that she maybe comes out of this and decides, do you know what, fuck it. I'm going to choose a side between, you know, Soraya and Tony and, and Britt and... Jamie the thing is it makes more sense that she joined Soraya and Tony and they kind of do you know sort of the new the new wrestlers versus the OG AEW wrestlers and you have Sheeta join Jamie and Britt and then you kind of because that feud I would happy be happy with continuing on from here I think if they just push Ruby back under the carpet you know sweep her under the carpet again after this 
it's pretty much just going to kill off any momentum she's tr- tried to build for herself in the company. I mean, she's going to turn into an Athena. Really sorry, Athena, but where are you? You know? So, yeah. Jane mean to win it, though. She is the Ring of Honor Women's Champion at the moment. Not that anybody cares. Um, trio's title on the line. House of Black. The Elite. Monty, which way is this going? This is a, another one of the matches that I can see definitely going either way. It's hard to ever bet against the Elite. But, you know, the way the randomness of this match, the way it was, like, very limited on a reason for it, other than the fact that we just know it'll be awesome. Like I said, they're going to they're gonna kill it because we know what these six are capable of and all that. We know how great it can possibly be in our minds. So hopefully it can live up to those expectations. But I have to go with the House of Black, man. I think you bring them back, they can just immediately win the titles. I know it seems kind of soon in the Elite's run to possibly lose it. But honestly, I just – I don't know. I just feel like you gain a little bit more if you build something. Because, you know, the House of Black lose and they just turn – they just go back down to what doing what, like – Again, just popping up randomly and, and feuds again. Like I, I don't know. That's probably likely going to happen because again, this is the elite. But I don't know. I wouldn't mind it if the elite passed it over, and maybe they still continue this feud over the belts either way. But I'm going with House of Black here, just on their fresh debut for to, you know, give them a big moment. Yeah, I think about a shadow of that. I was just thinking if Powerhouse Hobbs actually joined House of Black, they can call the group Hobbs. Makes sense. Uh, anyway, I might ramble on a little bit. <laughs> I'm going to go House of Black as well. Um, Gina, what about you? Okay, so I have gone the opposite. I've gone the Elite to win it, and that's only because I feel like they still only just got the belt, so it's too soon to lose them. However, I won't be mad if House of Black win it. I don't... I don't know if I would have wanted this match so soon. I feel like maybe the Elite should have had a longer run because I do feel like the House of Black should win this match. I don't think that they should lose at all because House of Black need to be pushed. Um, so to be, I've gone with the Elite, but I want the House of Black to win. So I won't be mad at losing this one. Uh, Jaxie, what about you? Yeah, um, I think that uh, I've gone with the House of Black. Um, I think why are you going to bring them back and actually, you know, be having all these promos set and stuff and then just literally you did you've done this with them before like they had so much momentum and you dropped the ball with that straight away i feel like you're actually doing gonna do the same if you don't have them come out on top and win this so i've gone the house of black again i also think that there could be potential clashes coming up with kenny maybe because of obviously new japan need to like really focus on building up an, an opponent for iwgp um, so there's potential that Kenny needs to be away for a bit. So what better way than to like put the belts on the likes of the House of Black? Yeah, there's got to be time. They don't do it now with House of Black. It's just, you know, that's the game to win the title. Uh, penultimate match, TNT Championship, Wardlow versus Samoa Joe. Again, a feud that's been going on a bit too long. It's Wardlow's time to shut Joe's mouth and walk away as TNT champion. Um Monty, what do you think? Yeah. Yeah, I agree, man. This is the end. I think Warlow should just go ahead and uh, take the belt back. Because, honestly, I feel like it's just, it's just pointless if it goes the other way. If Samoa Joe wins, as much as I love what he's been doing 
as a champion in AEW. Uh, you know, as far as promo work and even some of his matches on this run have been great. Uh, especially because I'm a big Samoa Joe fan. Uh, but I can't, I can't, I don't, I don't think, I think it'd just be pointless. He's just beating Wardlow down for no reason at this point. If he lose, come back, lose this match in, uh, again, we've seen this already in that, in that retrospect. And then you're going to have Hobbs and Joe tomorrow. I mean, I mean, not much tomorrow, but on Dynamite. So you're going to have, you know, that, that match. I probably, I think it'd be more likely we get Wardlow and, and Hobbs on, on Dynamite since he decides to book it that way. Uh, so, yeah, I think Wardlow is going to get his belt back. Uh, but, you know, would I be shocked if he goes back with Joe? Because I bet against Joe the last few times <laughs> and Joe won. So, yes, it could definitely still go left on me. But I, I'm going with, I mean, Wardlow here. Yeah. Uh, Gina, what about you? Um... I I I really don't know. I really don't know. I've gone with Wardlow. Again, this has been a bit exhausting for me. It seems to be back and forth between three certain wrestlers, you know, Wardlow, Samoa, and Darby. It was fun in the beginning, but I'm starting to get bored. So I'm, I, I feel sad to say this because I do like Wardlow and I do like Samoa Joe. But if you have to, if you have to ask me which match... I'm maybe looking forward to the least. It'll be Jungle Boy first, that match, because I'm over Christian Cage. But this one would be quite close. Um, and again, it's not to kind of cuss out the wrestlers, but I'm just over this three-way back and forth that this belt seems to be having. You know, it seems to just be making its rounds in this triangle, and I'm I'm over the triangle. No, so, yeah, yeah. I've, gone with, I've gone with Wardlow. Darby instead of Will Hobbs. <laughs> that was so weird. I, that's what I mean. Uh, like w- you had Will Hobbs involved in this. Why is he not versus Wardlow in this at this pay per view? Because uh, uh, sorry, Samoa Joe in this pay per view. I just don't get it. You had Wardlow go off after his haircut, but you could have brought Will Hobbs on then if you wanted to try and continue this this triangle. But instead, we've just gone back to Wardlow, and it's just made me less in- less interested in the storyline. I don't know why. And again, it's not because I don't like any of the wrestlers. I do. I'm just over it. And uh, Jaxie, what about you? Um, yeah, it's it, it's a weird one because I think that if you actually have Samoa Joe retain, then Will Hobbs is taking the is, is taking the the win on Dynamite and taking that belt off of Joe. Um, but again, I also am under the impression that I felt like this should have been a triple threat. Uh, as much as I'd like to see Hobbs like end up winning the belt on Dynamite, I, I agree with Monty. I think that this is gonna be is gonna be Wardlow versus Hobbs on Dynamite, and Wardlow will retain. So um, I'm going with Wardlow to win over Joe. Yep. And then the final match for the AW World Heavyweight Championship, 60 minute Ironman match. Can MJF prove that he can hang with Brian Danielson? Or will Danielson walk away as the new AB champion? Gina, you can do the last prediction. Which way is this going to go? Um, I've got MJF to win it. He's he's not had a long enough cunt run with that belt. Uh, so I do see it as Brian Danielson, you know, helping to elevate MJF as just like a more formidable villain. In W in AEW, sorry, 
so for me, I do see MJF winning this over Brian. I think he's going to give a wicked match, but yeah, I'm going to go with that. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Jaxie, what about you? Um, yeah, I'm going to go with um, MJF on this one to win. I don't, I, I see this being a really close call, uh, but. Yeah, we're definitely going to have MJF just using some sort of dick move to to pick up the win here. You know, like this is this is how we solidify like a a dick move run for for uh, MJF that's going to actually um, be significant. You know, uh, yeah. if if they didn't retain um, here, he really would be taken for a joke, and I really do see him leaving AEW shortly after that. You know. Um, so I don't see him losing at all. I see him staying champion for a bit longer. Well, this is the thing, isn't it? You know, like I think this proves MJF can show the world or the people watching that he can hang for an hour. And I think the arm going into it, if MJF walks away with a cleanest, not a cleanest, you know, but if if he wins, you know, five four overall with the submission victory to end, I think that's going to, you know, show MGF as a wrestler. Unless, like you said, they carry on in being a cunt. Uh, Monty, what about you? I don't think the question is MGF, if he's going to win or not, it's how he's going to win, if you know what I mean. Yeah, that's a good point. I think uh, it would, it would, just so far the story has been so, just about, you know, it's getting more and more personal so I probably can see it going pretty brutal there towards the end, maybe with the dynamite ring, maybe with some other tactic, maybe not. Uh, maybe he like he out-wrestles him the first part of him, but like you said, tied the end, and then that's when MJF pulls out a trick or, or you know, gets the ref knocked down or, you know, pulls something out of the hat. Uh, I can see it going a, a couple of ways, but it's hard for me to see MJF doing it clean. But you're right. If he can make uh, Brian Danielson submit, and just like a pure clean and like out wrestle him, like and like do that. It's just like it'll be it'll be freaking bonkers. But like you said, uh, this match is all about proving what MJF can do when it comes to Danielson for an hour. So uh, yeah, I think I think this can uh, this is gonna be a good match. But I think MJF has to retire. Yeah, I think with a shadow of a doubt. Um, and I think that's about it. I mean, everybody going for like three hours now, but we've done the New Japan. And, of course, the AEW predictions. Is everybody happy? I mean, Gina, you're happy with predictions, aren't you? Yes. Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely yeah. happy with them. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I started talking on mute. I started talking on mute. No, I'm definitely happy with them. Um, the only one I'm probably questioning myself on is whether the elite retain. But aside from that, I think I think I've got a good suggestion or a guess. Well, um, didn't, that... we have, didn't we have um an, another match announced for like the zero hour? I swear they announced like Dark Order versus Combat Club. Did we give our predictions for that? I'm I could be confused and we already gave our predictions for that. Uh, I don't know. Let me have a quick look, see if they've um there's only Sorry, one... have... that's all right. There's only one difference in the predictions anyway, tag titles. Me and Monty have gone the same yet again. <laughs> Uh, at the moment, through Wikipedia, no, it's only nine matches, I think. If we're wrong, we're wrong. But if it's zero hour, fuck it, you know. 
did see the announcement that it was Black Bull Combat Club versus Dark Order. Yeah, well, okay. Cool. All Black Bull Combat Club. Yeah, but it would be different. Yeah, Black Bull Combat Club. Yeah. So, if it is, there we go. Well, that is it then. That's it for today. Don't forget, of course, all social media, Twitter at the Devon Podcast, I'm at the Devon JR. You can find the entire Devon team on the Twitter banner. Uh, Monty, where can people find and listen to you? Yeah, you can go to um, at my Monty Pod on, on Twitter, or you can check out my YouTube channel at Mindless Monty. Check out my latest clips from my podcast where I break down whatever's going on in wrestling, whatever comes to mind. That's why it's called the Mindless Monty. Please check it out. Thank you, guys. Yeah, and a new logo. Don't be put off by the logo and think, "Who the fuck is that?" It's still Monty. All right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Who's this chatting to me? Oh, no, it's Monty. It's fine. Uh, Jaxi, where can people find you if you want? Um, I'm across both Twitter and Instagram at Jaxi Scarlet. And Gina really wants a fan. She doesn't care if it's an only fan. But where can people find you, Gina, if they want to be a fan? As long as he's Ricky Starks, then you can find me at Purple Pain. Double <laughs> <laughs> R. Also, Facebook and Instagram, across all Google platforms. Send us an email at doublecast at gmail.com. YouTube, the podcast with the latest clips. Podcast got the same time on YouTube. We do SoundCloud on your phone. Also, Spotify, no choose, make a download, subscribe, rate, and review there. So, that is it. Our next episode will be the AEW review show. Uh, we've got Mystery Mania in two weeks' time, everybody. Come on, that was a success last year, wasn't it? What will be the Mystery Mania? In two weeks' time, we'll find out. But until then, I've been James Rowlands, and I was joined by the fantastic Jaxie Scarlett. Thank you for joining me, Jaxie. It's been fun, and I'm, um, I'm looking forward to seeing sort of the outcomes of AEW. Enjoy Revolution, everyone. Yeah, without doubt. The mind of Monty, the deity getting us through again. I didn't let you down with New Japan today, did I? Oh, no. Oh, no. Thank you. The New Japan overload, in fact. <laughs> so, it was awesome. Uh, yeah, this is always fun, man. You know how it is. Yeah, and of course, the genius of Gina. Now, Gina, have you got any out-there predictions for Revolution? Anything you can give us right now? Um, Miro will turn up and make a return. <laughs> do you know what? I can see that happening now. Like the end of Wardlow match. Oh, do you know what? It'd be good if he. Yeah, I was going to say if he comes out during the Wardlow yeah. match, fucks them both up I, and that, that title is mine. Or screw it. Have him come out after the John Moxie match and just beat Pom John Moxie even more, and then that sends him at home. You know, <laughs> that would be yeah, <laughs> yeah. So there we go. Put money on Miro showing up today. Uh, so that is it. Thanks for this, everybody, and bye.